Hey everybody, this is Broken Token on the road. We are reporting live from within Brent's truck, riding home from the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Yeah, Whitney, we've got Dalton, Georgia in the rearview mirror and uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee coming up in the uh, windshield. And it's a good feeling. We are, uh, we're, we're due for some sleep, Brent. It, it's been a great weekend, had just so much fun. And we do want to give a, a, a quick shout out here to Preston and Patrick and Shannon and Dana and Joel. Uh, from the Southern Fried Game Room Expo and the Game Room Junkies podcast. Th- those guys put on just a heck of a show, had a great time. Uh, Whitney, the, the, the weekend was uh, was amazing. It was uh, pretty fast-paced for uh, for you and I. I know we were involved in quite a few panels, either actually in the panels. Um, Whitney moderated quite a few panels. Uh, I was doing my uh, my part in the background. You were a handler, Brand. I was a handler. Yes, yes. you were a handler. I was were, handling. Were, were you gentle? I, oh, always, Whitney. Yeah, okay, good. Always. All right. No, we'll, we'll just stop there. How yeah, about we'll that? we'll stop there. That's exactly. Perfect. We're just, what, yeah. what happened in Atlanta stays in Atlanta. <laughs> well, we wanted to take this time to uh, give everybody a little bit of context on this month's episode. Friend of the show, Carrie Chaney, owns an arcade up in Cincinnati, Ohio, called The Place, Retro Arcade, and Carrie was kind enough uh, to invite Brent and I up to record a live uh, podcast broadcast, and we had a couple of uh, arcade legends sitting in with us that night, Uh, Mr. John Salter, who you all probably know as the world record holder for Armor Attack and a marathon extraordinaire when it comes to to classic gaming, and Estelle Goffnett. Both John and Estel were so kind to sit in with us for uh, what did that Several turn out to be? It's it almost was, like three hours, I wasn't it, Brent? It was a three-hour broadcast. Yeah, it was. It was a long broadcast, but it it was great. It was a lot of fun. But I want to I, I do want to thank Brent for carrying the mail on that episode on this episode because I wound up getting I sick. Think, I think I dropped a few letters. Well, it's okay, Brent. I do that all the time <laughs> as well. But everybody, my voice sounds horrible in this episode, and I want to apologize for it straight up. And well, it didn't sound at all, Whitney. You're right, it didn't. I, I wheezed. I would try to talk, and it, it, if anybody knows the little penguin Wheezy on Toy Story, that's exactly <laughs> what I sounded like. Actually, I'd wound up having a, a very, very bad case of bronchitis and sinusitis. I uh, wound up having to go to the doctor, be on antibiotics for <laughs> a week and a half, and I was just not able to speak in this episode so whitney, i do want to apologize for how bad i sound whitney really stepped up for the show i will give him that he uh he, he you, it was obvious being with him through the day that he he did not feel well <laughs> and it, and it, when it all came to pass it was whitney gave his best well i appreciate <laughs> that Brent. thank you thank you anything for the show brother anything for the show the night still went off great the you know brent carried like i say brent carried it the interviews and the live and the live discussions were just fantastic. Everybody, you all are in for a real treat. Listening to John and Estel talk about you know, their their gaming adventures, what they're working on, what they're doing, uh, everything that uh, that leads into these marathon rec- these marathon paces that both of these guys are able to achieve. You know, just on that point, Whitney, it was amazing. Uh, just speaking with John. Uh, about how he would prepare to to marathon for seventy and eighty hours. I never it was unbelievable. Yeah, I never knew that he went to the lengths that he went to for dietary restrictions and rest and just clearing his mind and just really getting into, I guess, the zen of marathon gaming. The interesting thing, the really well, if if that isn't interesting enough, the the real interesting point to me here is 
that I can see that we're going to have additional marathon attempts in the not too distant future. John is sharing that information. You know, he, he's talked to us about it. Yep. It's obviously uh, not just John's secret sauce. Estel may be going for something here yeah. in the not too distant future. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he and Carrie are working on uh, are working on something as well. So yeah, keep it keep an eye on our Facebook page. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll make sure that we keep that news up to date. You know, they're on social media and everything else. I mean, Brendan and I just wound up having is almost a comedy of errors that day because we wound up having truck trouble. We saw farm animals flying down the interstate at high speeds, and it, it, we just saw everything that day. And it wound up running into uh, just running us late. So we were actually pretty lucky to get there and get set up on time, and uh, and even get the show pulled off. But thank thankfully, Carrie. John and Estel were very accommodating. They understood some of the challenges that we had. They wanted to get me like green tea and honey for my throat and everything like that. So everybody was was very 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 nice to us. And the show it really went off without a hitch. So so you, what, you guys are in for a treat. If you all haven't figured it out thus far, what you're going to hear in this episode is the live broadcast from that night. Yep. At the Place Retro Arcade in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. So with that, everybody, we're going to go ahead and uh, leave you with... Oh, wait, hold on, Whitney. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. am I let's, jumping the gun? Let's, let's touch a little bit uh, on the next, the next episode, the episode to follow this episode. Okay. Um, not only will we have... Our updates, which are which are you, many. I mean, I mean, dude, we have double stacked it. We went to Burger King and ordered the entire menu over oh, this yeah. past month. We, we've had a, we've had massive change change I mean, ups. It's and, been rolling. Uh, there, there's been a, a few new pieces uh, acquired. Let's hey, just Brent, go with acquired. Brent, I want to talk about Iron Man. Oh, but so and we'll do that. Won't we? <laughs> we might talk about. There might be some Iron Man sweet, conversations. Sweet, sweet, sweet. On Whitney's side, and you know, maybe a couple conversations on my side. I mean, it, it's entirely possible as I look in the rearview mirror of my truck, it, there could be something sitting in the bed. Yeah, you know, that's part of it. Yeah. So, we'll, if it doesn't fly out by the time we get home, we'll talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, we'll be talking about that's it. That's exactly right. And of course, we will give uh, our post wall-to-wall coverage of which there is a lot of the southern fried game room expo yeah and everybody just keep an eye uh, you know on our facebook page and we'll also be tweeting up some of the pictures as well we'll go ahead and release a lot of the pictures ahead you know of of the podcast coverage so that so that everybody's got uh, you know got something to refer back to while we're talking but I mean, this expo was, I mean, Brent, it was epic. I, I don't really know any other way to say it. We got pictures, we've got audio, we've got video, we got yeah, it all. We, calm down because, you know, Preston's going to hear this and his head is just going to swell even more. Well, you know what? They deserve all the credit he, that they get. He's going to get through this point in the episode and just click it off. It, well, you know, if he listens through, he'll get the kudos, man, because they deserve it. Their Preston. orchestration, their execution was everything. Everything was five star. Preston, Patrick. We uh, we kid, but we love. It was an unbelievable yeah. show. Hats off to you guys, and thank you for allowing us to be part of Southern Fried Game Room Expo. So with that, Brent, let's on, get into. On with the show. Let's on with in, the show. Let's get into Cincinnati. Yeah, okay, guys, we hope you enjoy listening to uh, John Salter, Estel Goffnett, and Carrie Chaney, and not listening to me. Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. The Broken Token Podcast, live from the Place Retro Arcade, Cincinnati, Ohio. 
Whitney and I have made it on the road once again. A few trials and tribulations today. Whitney's uh, still working through a little bit of the setup, and when he joins us, I'll we'll go ahead and tell the story of what it's taken to get us up here today. It's been kind of fun. Um, today, tonight, actually, we're going to have uh, John Salter, and we're going to have Estelle Goffinet as our special guests. They are record holders in the arcade community. Uh, John Salter, actually, just a little bit ago, Whitney's joined us at this point in time. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> I apologize for my voice. Whitney's got a voice like I had a few shows back where I uh, I, I had to take one for the team and really stand up and and uh, give all I had to finish out the podcast. But uh, earlier, John walked up to us, and he, he asked what time we were going to get started because he just wanted to kind of wander over to the Tron so he could throw up a quick million. <laughs> a quick million. <laughs> You know, I'd like to be able to say that I could do that. I'd be able, I'd be lucky enough to wander over the Tron and say that I'd like to go ahead and make it through their first rack, make it into the. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't Wouldn't that be awesome? But no, it's it's not happening on my watch anyway. <laughs> so they're over in the arcade. We're up in the front of uh, uh, the Place Retro Arcade here in Cincinnati. If you make it up into Cincinnati, I really, really suggest that you stop in and and check out Kerry Chaney and his wife and uh, the arcade that they've put together here. It, I've not made it up here. I've seen the pictures, and, and it's, it is it is astounding. They have a very nice arcade. They've got a very good si- a good size game room. They've got a good selection of games. Right inside the door, there's a Tempest and a Vanguard, and uh, I've kind of got my back to the majority of the game room, but... There's some pretty capital games just right here in the in the lobby, I guess if you'd call it. Elevator action. There's a crazy climber. Star Wars. Yeah. A very nice Star very Wars. Very nice Star Wars. Uh, track and field and uh, uh, Carnival. Yeah. And Whitney, can you see over my shoulder? Kind of give a you know just what you can see. Yeah, we've got <clears throat> we've got a Burger Time. We've got a Galaga, Spy Hunter, Rampage. Mortal Kombat, you know, Cubert, Joust, Moon Patrol. Oh, I missed the Cubert. Yeah, Cubert, Cubert's right here on the corner. Uh, we've got an armor attack and just, yeah, Centipede and just a, you know, Gauntlet, Rally X. I just, a, you know, a litany of really, really good games. Championship Sprint. There's even some later titles. There's, uh, is that a Mortal Kombat 4? Uh-huh. Uh, is that a Tekken 2? Yeah, that's, yes, NFL it is. Blitz? Yeah. And does, did you happen to notice that that turbo on the phone? Well, I'm sure it's working if Kerry's got it set. It does. Here. He's got yeah. a turbo out here. Every single game here works. And, and a, so, a gauntlet. Yeah, and that's been one of the great things about it. it you know, it, all the games are good. They're in great shape. They work. Couldn't couldn't really ask for much of anything more. Kerry's kept. A, uh, he, he's really keeping a clean uh, a clean arcade. Nice running games. Uh, all the monitors are beautiful. The controls look great. I mean, you can walk in here and and everything is playable. Yeah. The Carnival's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of time here, and it's just it's it's running it's running like a clock. Yeah, it is. It's really it's really nice. I mean, everything you know everything here is just great. So it's a it's a very very nice family friendly place. I you know couldn't really ask for anything more. Whitney and I were hoping to get up around. Uh, um, well, of course it's six here, six Eastern. Whitney and I were hoping to get into the arcade 233 o'clock today and unfortunately it didn't happen so after the setup for the podcast I've only gotten to play one game Whitney have you actually gotten to play no. anything no no sir not not a single one yet I had to put some time up on the Star Wars and there's a Starship Troopers pin in the back I'm gonna have to give that a, give that a go yeah it, there's I mean there's several games here there's several games here that I want to play 
Um, and I'm I'm sure after we wrap the broadcast tonight, we'll you know we'll get some time to do that. Um, so let's tell. The, oh, go ahead, Woody. Go ahead. I was going to say, Brent, if if you're going to hang for a second, I'm going to go get uh, let John and Estel know that you know, we're ready for him anytime. Okay, sure. Yeah. So while Whitney goes in the other room and um, and tracks down John Salter and Estel Goffin, it what uh, I guess I'll give you everyone a rundown on what Whitney and I went through today. So. Now, and also, let me warn everybody that we have not had the opportunity. We were a little late today. Uh, we had some unforeseen issues, and when John and Estel get here, I'm not sure if we're going to speak with both at the same time or what the situation is, but we're going to have to work with their mic levels a little bit, but we'll get them dialed in. So Whitney and I were coming up today. We're from Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, we are on the north side of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, about two-hour drive from, from my door to the door here. And drive time, we didn't do too bad. We were actually going to meet Carrie. I was bringing up a defender that uh, was going to stay here in Cincinnati, and we were going to bring home a game for Whitney. So we had my uh, F-350 and a trailer on the back of it, a little trailer. Just makes things a little easier. By the time we threw podcast gear and everything in the truck, we were kind of full. So we get all the way up here to Cincinnati, and we're having a little issue finding where uh, where to meet Carrie. Carrie Chaney, the owner of uh, the Place Retro Arcade. And all of a sudden, my truck just starts having all kinds of fits. Uh, no power, a lot of issues there. Uh, of course, we're we've got a I got a Defender in the back, and I'm towing a, a trailer with a little bit of weight. And we're running about 40, 45 on the expressway, and it's kind of all she's got. Fortunately, by the time we kind of we finished all of our running around and make making arrangements for what we were going to do with uh, the game that we had and uh, the trailer that we've got. We ended up having to drop the trailer and the game at at Carrie's home, which was not the intended destination. <laughs> it was a cluster. <laughs> so the trailer the trailer is uh, now stored at, at, at Carrie's, yeah. as is my Defender, or the Defender I was bringing up to, to rehome here in Cincinnati. And uh, fortunately, uh, I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, I'm kind of a car person, and Whitney is to a certain degree as well. I, do, I know little to nothing about diesels. I mean, <laughs> Whitney's laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a, it was kind of a, it was a bit of a stressful day, but you know we made it. It's all yeah. good. Well, we I, I, I know theoretically how they work, but beyond that, I don't. So fortunately, Carrie calls his cousin, and his cousin meets us in a parking lot, diagnoses it, and nothing we can do here because it's a we, we're into the we need parts type of a situation, but. Um, uh, almost 40 years diesel mechanic and it, you know, we got the warm fuzzy that we can make it home uh we can make it home <laughs> so that's what matters that's what matters yeah so we kind of had a we had a um uh, a very very slow tour around i guess northern cincinnati today <laughs> we got we got to one point where uh we'd made a wrong turn yeah and uh, uh, Whitney's looking at the GPS on his phone. He's like, all right, turn down this road. We're going to be cool. You know, mind you, we're, we're, the trailer's empty, but we're, we're towing a pretty heavy-duty, what, 12-foot trailer? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a 12-foot trailer. So. And it's the most stout 12-foot trailer I've ever seen. Yeah, it would, uh, it would fare well in a tornado. Well, I'm thinking that nuclear disaster, it's going to yeah. be that trailer and cockroaches. Yeah, and, and yeah it, it would be fine. It would work fine, just fine. So we get down. We're all right. We're we. This is the way we gotta go. And we're rolling down the road. Road closed. And not only is it road closed, but it's closed in such a way that you really can't easily turn around, even if you were in a car. So I 
pull off as best I can, and I've got to back up and push this trailer uh, up a very, very slight hill, and the front tires of my truck have just barely sunk into some pea gravel. It would not do it. <laughs> it did not have enough power. This, this diesel truck did not have enough power to push itself out of a wet paper bag. Well, and then that's when Brent and I turned around and looked at ourselves and said, you know. We're going back to Louisville. <laughs> We're going back to Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> we had to unhitch a trailer, move it by hand, yeah. and then back the thing out. Yeah. But, well, we made it here. And, that, and that's all that matters. It's a, it's a great place. And, um, you know, really looking forward to really looking forward to seeing how the night unfolds with everybody. So, so I guess we can cover this for those listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone, uh, Carrie was kind enough to buy pizza for everybody. So if, if you didn't make it in for the show too bad so sad order some pizza at home and join in with us because you 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 may hear one of us uh munching as we go yeah but uh uh let's talk a little bit about what happened with the uh uh, i keep wanting to say auction whitney but that's not that's not right what happened with the voting oh yeah 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 brent yeah thanks for bringing that up so the voting, uh, the voting for Brent's, you know, the put Brent to work uh, community poll uh, that wa- that wrapped up on. Just like uh, I'm having to do community service work. You are getting ready to do some community service, so that wrapped up on on midnight last night. You know, Friday, May the sixteenth. And you know, Brent, we we've, we've got um, the winner is Burger Time, and you know, Tron and Ladybug both were a very you know very high contender you know front runners. But Ladybug with, rallied there. I thought it was going to take it. No, Ladybug did rally. Uh, Tron always held, you know, always held its own. Poor space duel, got no <laughs> love whatsoever. Actually, let me refresh the page here. I've got the num- I'll give everybody the numbers. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Burger Time rallied within the last day, and it come on strong. So that's the game that's going to be played. And I was telling Whitney on the way up, um, of all of them. And, and it's fine. I mean, if I didn't want to, if I didn't want to fix them up, we wouldn't have put them in the vo- yeah. in, in in the vote. But I think the burger time is going to need the most work. Yeah, and I think at this point, Brent, you just sell the space duel and call it even. You well, know? it's got a sixty one hundred in it. Well, Why would I do that? Well, keep the monitor, then sell the space of duel. Step base duel. Everybody <laughs> does such a space duel. Yeah, it's a it, it is a, it is a tough love game. I will. Have say you ever that. played space duel? I have. Yes. You know, I don't remember playing it back in the day. A friend of mine at work. He knows I'm into the games, so around so about a year ago, I uh, I pick up a space. Oh, I mean, he he gives me a shout. And he says, "My dad's got some games and he's having problems with them. Can you come help me out?" I said, "Sure." So one of them is a space duel. Monitors out in it. It's the most beautiful space duel I think I have ever seen. So, I, I, you look inside of it, and it looked like it, you could tell it had been routed. But if it had been routed, it was like, oh, I don't love Space Duel. And it came off like in three weeks. I mean, it was gorgeous. It still had all the paperwork inside of it. It still had everything. And monitor was out of it. I go through the monitor for him, bring it over there, fire it up. And I, I'm too picky. You've met me. So I'm like, let me yeah, adjust this. Let me adjust that. And they say, no, it's gorgeous. We didn't know that it had colors. You know, they had guns out apparently over time. And they, they didn't realize that it was... As, as colorful as it was so they were happy as could be with it but he's got a, a zaxon sitting over there someone had uh, the centering grommet was blown out of it and uh someone hooked it up with some, some springs so 
So right. who we've got somebody a guest joining us? Yeah, Brent. So one of our one of our uh, very esteemed guests just uh, sat down at the table and joined us. So John, welcome to the show. Oh, I was going to pretend I was Billy Mitchell. For a <laughs> <laughs> now, John, I know we uh, we were a little late getting set up. So if you need your I'm watching your mic. If you need your headphones up, just give me a shout. No, I'm just, good right here. So okay, is that good? good? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so John, you were over there playing. Uh, you were over there playing Tron. How, how did you do? You yeah, know, you guys really you know how to hurt away? a guy. I, well, earlier I tried to. I was trying to get the you know nine million or nine. 999,000, as close as I could to a million without rolling it, and I rolled it over to 14 points. So I was trying again, and I thought we're on like a schedule. I didn't know I could have played another 10 minutes or so. I could, <laughs> so I quit my game at 8:28. I could have played another probably 10 minutes and didn't. But I'll, I'll do it later. I'm definitely doing it before I leave, though. So. I, oh, that, that's earlier, awesome. Earlier, I said to Whitney, I was like, uh, uh, John walked up and he he said. How much time do I have? If I got about an hour, I'm gonna go put a million on Tron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that would that would be great. If I've got an hour. I think I'm gonna run out and cut grass. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's about all I can. <laughs> well, well, a million in an hour on Tron is actually impossible. But I, I was I was hoping maybe it would start a little later. But it's no no big deal. I'll, I'll get back on it. So. So you ended up with what eight hundred thousand somewhere in that range? Yeah, eight hundred twenty-eight, five thirty, something like that, right around there. Mm. It killed me to quit, but I was like, you know, hey. I gotta <laughs> then, I, then I walked over and I saw everybody was just kind of eating pizza, and I'm like, oh, I could have, I could have finished it up. But yeah, well, <coughs> that that just gives me an excuse to play later. So yeah, so. exactly. So you know, the timing was a little, little bit of a challenge, you know, with us getting here just a little bit late. But oh, it's all it, good, it, it yeah. all worked out. Oh yeah, yeah. So here, here's my question. Well, I like it because it's a little, it's you know, a little more casual. You guys aren't. Yes. Know. Well, you know, last time we did this, we were in bathing suits. <laughs> oh, well, had I known, I would. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Carrie asked, and I not bring my cowboy hat. So, <laughs> so here, the last time I played Tron, now I played it back in the day, and I've got a Tron, but uh, you know it, it's not running. We were actually just talking about a poll that we were running on our website, which is going to be the next next game that I that I'm going to kind of go back and refurb. And Tron was was ahead for a short period of time, and uh, Burger Time rallied and kind of knocked it out, but. One of the uh, one of the local barcades in Louisville has a Tron, and I realized how bad I am at it. You know, <laughs> so well, the, the key to well, the key to Tron. I mean, first you have to get good at the you know no, knowing what to do on each level. You know, there's four boards per level. Mm-hmm. So, and then once you get to that point, you have to know what's coming next. As long as you know what's coming next, you got a good shot at, at you know playing for a while. And that's the trick. Once you get around the hundred and if you're point pressing around the 120, 150,000 range, depending on how hard you're point pressing, the game changes. Um, it, it, it adds the tanks get faster, and it adds another level, another another variant of the tanks and the light cycles. So, so the game modifies its own pattern based upon how you're playing it. Well, I think what they did is they they figured you know no one's ever going to play it this far. So, oh, we'll, so we'll say we'll, we'll make it really hard right here and that'll be the end of anybody's game and anybody who can play further we'll just let the you know they probably have some type of calculation every time you run a level it does some calculation to what level yeah. your board plays next and um and so that's usually you know a lot of people like you know you'll see a high score up somewhere will be between like 110,000 and 150,000 and that's usually at what David Cruz who's the world record holder me and him are pretty good friends we, we talk all the time about trying and that's like the fast tanks we call that. Usually people fail at the fast tanks. Mm-hmm. So if you can get past the fast tanks, they only get fast for that one level. And then they go back to the regular speed and then it's, it just rolls the same um, levels over and over until you get to level 255. Once you get there... It's so you the, won't see the fast tanks again? No, you only see them one time and there's five... I think there's... Let me see. There's four tanks and one set of recognizers. 
and the tanks go about the same speed as the recognizers. I, you, have you ever seen the recognizers in the game? The right, they, they don't shoot at you. They just go faster than the tanks and try to run into you. Okay. So I think what they did is they, they just made that set of tanks go the same speed as the recognizers. And then after that, they probably figured no one would ever get that far. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and that's just, the end of it. Yeah. And then when you hit level 255, that's the key to, to really cranking up the score and getting a world record. Uh, because at 255, it repeats the same four boards. So as long as you're proficient at those four boards and you can get the level 255, you've got a good shot of cranking the score up. But David Cruz, he put that score at 14 million, and you're talking 23 hours to do that. And once you get to level 255, there's no taking breaks, no getting off the machine. You have to play it, and that's about 18 hours of his game was was not leaving the game. So he, you know, he he did a number on it. But I'm gonna, I got a shot. I'm I'm pretty sure I can do it. I did an 8.1 million game two weekends ago and I had two deaths where I just basically threw the guys away just stupid deaths but I wasn't planning on playing that long I just wanted to hit the five million range and then see what I could do so I was uh, a million away from Don Hayes's nine million point game which would have put me in second so I have the number three score of all time now but but um, based on what I did a couple weeks ago I can definitely do that score and David knows that if you're listening David I'm coming for you <laughs> 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 now me and him are, we're, we're really good friends now so it's you know it's nice that to be friends with a guy who's the world record holder, so you know he can get some tips, I guess. <laughs> are you putting any of your uh, uh, any of your games up on YouTube? Are you recording anything? Or yeah, you- all my all my games are on my Twitch channel, which is uh, John Salter is my Twitch channel. So twitch.tv forward slash John Salter. The Tron game is up there right now. It's a twelve hour game. You can you know take a look at it and see how I you know the patterns I run. I mean I, I don't I don't hide anything that I do. If someone wants to you know learn from what I. What I've done, that's fine. You're better going to David Cruz's channel because he's – I'm good at the game. He's unbelievable at the game. I mean, the stuff that he, he can do in that game is unreal. He knows everything there – I think he knows more than the programmers at this point in that game. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He, yeah, he's already found out how to exploit all the little, oh, little, little loopholes they didn't think that would yeah. ever come to pass. And there's just a lot of subtleties to the game um, of, of, of just positioning where you where you're – where you're positioning your Tron character on certain boards as opposed to what the enemies are going to do is, is huge in that game. You can't really manipulate what they can do, but you can give yourself the best chance of, of not dying. And, and that's really the key. In my, in my opinion, any game, whether it be Tron, Armor Tech, Donkey Kong, it's, 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 it's playing the game and putting yourself in the best position to not die. And the longer, obviously, you can play the game and not die, the more points you can get. But I guess Estelle can probably... Or Estelle can probably... Uh, comment on donkey kong you really don't have that luxury because the game ends at a certain point you can't play forever so let's go ahead and introduce our second guest who just yes. who just joined us whitney yeah I'm so uh, I'm, I'm making it's painful for him so yeah <laughs> <laughs> this, i apologize this, this is for uh uh estel and uh, um, uh john but what two episodes ago three episodes ago it was two i, I had uh, uh, a sore throat and laryngitis just like whitney did and I went through this exact same thing, but he was kind to me, but that's not my job to be kind to him. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough love. But uh, Estel, thank you for joining the show. Appreciate you taking the time, you know, to, uh, to sit in with us and talk with us tonight. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, so you know, we, we've heard a little bit about John's, uh, about John's you know, work at Tron. And, you know, Estel, he had mentioned, you know, you being, you know, a world-class, essentially a world-class Donkey Kong player. So, um, you know, what, what have you found about that game that, that draws you to it? I mean, wh- why, why Donkey Kong instead of, 
instead of something you know instead of another game tron or whatever i mean is it infinity is it just a game that you've always loved or what uh, definitely nostalgia i mean it's it's something i played back in the arcades uh, back in 83 and 84 before the arcades started disappearing and um since a young age i got hooked on it you know i really loved it and of course uh, time went by you know had a family and everything didn't have much time to uh, play classics anymore and um I noticed the the movie King of Kong, of course, and a lot of people say, hey, you know, they got reintroduced oh, yes. into the classic community oh, yeah. through that movie, and that sort of sparked my interest back up, you know. And um, I found an old cocktail table, started playing on that, and I found finally got a stand up. I see and, that's a uh, rough way to pick back up with a cocktail, isn't it? because yeah. the the joystick on the cocktail comes like straight out at you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. very very the, awkward. The jump button <laughs> too is just on the side of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that's just an ugly cocktail in general. It, my it opinion. is. Yes. It's, it's one that I would never want. That's why I end up sold, you know, selling it. Yeah, oh yeah, I don't blame you a bit. <laughs> but uh, once I got my stand up, um, you know, I started really working on uh, just my first kill screen. It was my main goal. You know, work up enough skill, and I've uh, been watching Vincent LeMay, Hank Chen, you know, some of the greats um, through the Twitch, of course, and chatting and just watching some of their strategies and uh, picking up some of my own and. You know, just it wasn't about a year and two, year and three months later, I got my first kill screen right before the the first Kong off. Wow. Well, one thing that I was curious about, and I would really like to hear both of you guys comment on this, is when did you decide to elevate your game to that level? I mean, you're both now you're you're both now obviously world class players. Brent and I, between the two of us, we're not even close to world class players. So, but we love to play. You know, we love to play the games. So, you know, why, what, what possessed you guys or drove you guys to say, I'm going to, I'm going to contend at that level? So, as so I'd, yeah, I'd like to hear from you first. Basically, the competition. You know, okay. that's something I love about the classic video games is you get to play against your friends, you know, and that's sort of uh, what I did back in the arcades. Me and my friends, we used to go there and just compete with each other, and, and we had a great time, and, and it hasn't changed. It's, it's still fun, and that's mainly what drove me to, you know, keep pushing it and, and uh, try for a million points and beyond. And that's still what I'm working on. I, I don't play it as much, but it's just mainly the competitive. Okay. I mean, have you found have you found the the competitive community around Donkey Kong to be to be um, you know in an open community and you know welcoming of new people or is it something that you know is pretty tightly guarded or you know kind of how does that run? Uh, no, it's it's very open. That's I good. mean, I'm a member of the uh, Donkey Kong forums, and they they basically welcome everybody. They got if you dig through their forums, they got strategies, strategy guides they wrote themselves from you know from beginners all the way up to advanced players, and it's they're very kind, very helpful. And there's quite a few people starting to, you know, even now I see joining joining in the uh, forums. Wow. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, does Donkey Kong have the staying power to continue on for the next three to five years at, at the level that, that it sees today? Uh, it, it's hard to say. I mean, they're reaching a scoring plateau with uh, Dean Saglio's 1.2 million, which is just nuts. I mean, you just got to have, you know, all the skill and all the luck just for a game yeah. you know and even yeah. dean said if even if he plays his best game he still isn't sure that he's going to beat his 1.2 million score so now it's sort of looking at a plateau of scores and everybody's just working you know for that top 10 position right now uh yeah i see it still going for a few years so yeah, that, that's good let me ask this real quick and for both 
Estel, correct? Estel yes. and John. John, correct? Yes, that's John. I think so. Okay. <laughs> yes, officer, uh, it is John. I, 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 we all know that there's there's been some history with Twin Galaxy, and Whitney, Whitney and I aren't here to debate that. We know it's changed hands a few times, and it sounds like there's a community. Uh, John, you're following a couple people, and you're in communication with people in the games that you play, and the same thing, Estel, with you. Are you all basically kind of policing yourselves at this point to say, I have, I'm here, you're there, or since there's not really a governing body, quote unquote, well, at this point? There's still the, there's still the rules. I mean, regardless of how, who owns Twin Galaxies, those base rules I don't think are going to change. I don't think anybody's going to jump in and say, you know what, we've been going by these rules per game for mm-hmm. so long, we're switching everything. Yeah, okay. I would agree there. Yeah, so I, I think at this point, it's, you know, you have to. To submit a, a legitimate score, you have to have a video of it. So, you know, that's not going to change. So at this point, like my Tron game is a perfect example, 8.1 million. I have that on the blocks just waiting to send in. So, you know, you still have to, you know, if, if, if that's what you're getting at, like score-wise. Like, yeah, yeah, I was just kind of yeah. uh, uh, wondering until that day comes back, you know, until, until they return, which it sounds like the, the yeah. current – owner yeah. is working to do that. Yeah, it, it's back. Yeah. I mean, the oh, site's yeah, it? the site's there. The forms are up. They're, oh, they're okay. piece by piece, getting everything back in order. They they're not taking any uh, submissions yet, but eventually they're gonna start taking submissions. And I think they're just getting their. They got to get a crew of people together because it's kind of a, like a no-win scenario for them. You know, they want yeah. they need to get a, a core group of guys that are able to verify and get these scores done quickly. But the longer they wait to do that, the more scores that are gonna be piling up. You know, so. You know, eventually they're going to they're going to be back up and and taking scores and people like me and and you know there's a few other guys I know that are out there that have scores waiting to go in so you know so I, I think everybody's going about the same way we're just waiting to send our scores. Gotcha. And I mean, I've, you know, I for one, am I'm glad. not sending any sto- scores. In. <laughs> no, no, you can't. no, 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 not at all. But I am glad that Twin Galaxies is back. I'm glad. I, that, I haven't looked at the site. Yeah, in, I'm, in I'm, a I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that Jace Hall, you know, is taking the reins on it and is putting. The forums back, the scoreboard back, you know, the settings, the references, and everything like that back. So, it, it, you know, I, I think it's a good thing for the community to have. Yeah, I think. Well, the one thing I noticed in the database, uh, from what I've looked at, is the any anything that was added to that database um, while Jordan was in charge is not there anymore. Okay. So I don't know what happened there, but it looks like we, you know, we may have lost some scores. But um, anybody who submitted scores during that time period. I mean, I for one keep all my videos. So yeah. You can, oh yeah. And the submissions uh, process is going to be free again. So I hopefully we'll we'll see those scores back up. People will resubmit. So there is a little bit of a, a loss there. I think I, I don't know why, but you know I don't think it's that big of a deal. Hopefully everybody have you know saved their their videos or whatever yeah. they sent in. We we can get that data back. But you know when there's a big change like that, there's bound to be some you know some things go wrong here and there. But for the most part, I think they're. They're handling that switch over really well. Yeah, it, it looks like it. So, so um, John, we had started off the show with you coming on, and you were talking about Tron. But Tron, I know you're actively working on Tron right now, but you're you're known you know, throughout the gaming community for your efforts on Armor Attack. 
armor attack. And so, say it I'm, right. I'm gonna have to jump over this table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have to dig deep. Don't disrespect to through the game. That. <laughs> I've got a marquee here. You want me to hold it up so you can read it? And make sure you, <laughs> yes. Well, it, it, it fades out somewhere on that second A. Is what it is. Yeah. So, so John with armor attack. You know where? You know what? Why that game? You know, was that a favorite of yours back? You know, back in the day, or you know what? What? What led you to you know com- competitive play? Well, it kind of hits on what um, you're asking Estel about. Mm-hmm. You know, like what got you back into it, or or, or what what makes you want to play competitively or yeah. go, go that extra mile. And for me, it comes down to you know these games mean a lot to me. You know, and well, some, they, they they mean a lot to all. Oh, exactly, of us. exactly, yes. exactly. And, you yes. know, and and I think people who don't maybe weren't around or didn't play or, or even that were around that weren't into it don't understand. I mean, to me, when I walk up to try i don't care how many times i played it. i don't care how many 12-hour games i played and i made theme like seem like i'm sick of tired of playing it that's awesome when i stand in front of that yes when i stand in front of that machine and look at it there's the there's nothing can really explain the feeling that i get yeah and armor attack is the same way now armor attack is a game that the arcade there's a there was an arcade in the city i live in i'm from north ridgeville ohio the arcade was called future world and they used to say you know biggest arcade in the united states i'm sure every arcade probably said that somewhere along the line but they had an armor attack in the back, and when the when the crash hit and the arcades kind of dwindled, that arcade stayed open. They turned it into an indoor putt-putt, with, and they still kept a decent amount of those games. And me and my cousin would ride our bikes up there. It was right up the street a mile away, and we would stop and get, like, a you know, hostess apple pie and a Mountain Dew, and we'd go inside, <laughs> and, and we'd play armor attack because it was two-player co-op. Yeah, you couldn't shoot awesome. each other, so I didn't have to worry about him killing me like he would do in every other game. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the game we could play the longest. We put our money in, and we, we could play it a long time. And all we know, all we did was argue back and forth, and you know, because you know, my cousin, I grew up with the game. And you know, looking back in those times, it was just a blast. And when I I got a, the Donkey Kong was the first machine I got. Then I um, got Crazy Climber, which is right over here. As a matter of fact, I traded Carry my the Donkey Crazy Kong Climber for the Tempest. Don- Donkey Kong guys are on that side of the table. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I will say Donkey Kong always has been and always will be my favorite game. That's the game. That's, that's the game that started Whitney. Oh the yes. Hobby. Oh yeah. A lot of people. I mean, the, the King of Kong. You know. But um, so my cousin messages me on Facebook, and he lives. He doesn't live that far from me. It was on a Sunday. I was working and. He's like, he's like, dude, you got to get an armor attack. And like, I like almost, I'm like, how did I forget about armor attack? Cause like, that's the game. So I got in a mission to get armor attack. And when I, it was the same thing when I picked that, I drove all the way to New Jersey to get it, picked it up. And I remember I got home and I, you know, same thing. I just stand there looking at it like, man, I can't believe I have an armor attack right here and I can play it anytime I want. Yeah. And same thing with Tron. When I got Tron with Armor Attack, I'm like, I'm going to get the world record on this game because the game means something to me way beyond it's cool, it's fun, it's the memories of playing the game with my cousin and, you know, looking back finally on your childhood, I guess. And And I told Ken House when I was looking for an Armor Attack, I'm like, dude, when I get this thing, I'm getting the world record on it. Had no idea what the world record was. So I get on Twin Galaxies, I look at it, and it's 2 million points. Now, Armor Attack gives you like 10 points per you know you it's it's a low scoring game and i'm like how did someone score 10 million points in armor attack which a lot of people i mean i've talked to a lot of people since i've you know knocked out the world record and it's just funny at how many people went to say i think i would get the record on armor attack and they looked at it and they said no way impossible and quit and i wasn't going to do that i was like if someone got two million then i can get two million now, how old was i that can rec- get two million one how old was that record at the time? 1983. Wow. I'm not sure the month it was set. Now, the ironic thing about it is, is I'm from northern Ohio. The record was set 
the alleged record because it was there's no way that record's real that, by the way that's why i kind of <laughs> asked yeah, yeah yeah but we'll just you know that's a that's a whole nother can of worms there this though you know the these old some of these old records mm -hmm. but the guy who said it was from um from dayton said it in dayton ohio and i didn't find this out till shortly before i did the uh the marathon and it kind of blew my mind that you know like four hours away or three hours away whatever you know someone you know the, from the same state mm -hmm. who did that record back then but um, it, it, the game meant a lot to me. And I was like, I'm getting the world record on this. And I thought, wow, two million. I'm going to have to figure something out here. And I started looking at some um, MAME IMPs and see how these guys, some of these, because there's guys that got like 30,000. And that's 30,000 is a, a good score in armor attack. And so I looked at the way they were doing it. And I, was, and I came up with some strategies. And, and, and I, I came up with some strategies. But these strategies I, I came up with, it, it was like going to take me a hundred hours to get 2 million. I'm like, for one, if someone did 2 million points and it took them a hundred hours, it, there wouldn't be just a score armor attack, 2 million. It would have been touted like, wow, this guy played a hundred hours, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons I think the score isn't legit, isn't legit from back then. And, um, so eventually I got, I got a hold of Dwayne Richards. I don't know if you guys know Dwayne. He's, um, a well-known gamer from the eighties. And I found a forum post, um, that allegedly he did two million points back in 1982 or three. So I got a hold of Dwayne, and he told me no, he didn't get that score. But he's on doubles; he's gotten over two million with playing doubles with people. And we're talking back and forth, and I was telling him the strategy that I was how I was playing, and he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, well, and it's been 30 years since I played it, but you know, if you play long enough, you know, the the tanks will, will start firing slower. And he's like, and I'm I can't remember at what point the chopper quits firing. And he goes on. Now this is in an email, and I looked at that, and I'm like, "What? The chopper quits firing? Like the chopper quits firing? The game's gonna it makes it pretty. The it skill, makes it pretty easy. Oh yeah, oh, not skill, pretty yeah. easy. It makes it easy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It makes it pretty. Yeah, it definitely makes it easier. You know, if and uh. So is there any point where like Donkey Kong quits throwing barrels? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. 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 Okay. No. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes. So uh. At least I, I don't have anything to shoot for there. Yeah, I mean, that'd be that'd be nice. I mean, if you can go in like a no wild barrel glitch, would be great. You know, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I so I went immediately went home that night, and by this time I could play the game for a decent amount of time and, and you know regular difficulty. And sure enough, uh, I played it long enough, and the chopper quit firing. But it all you know also there's like the screens flashing and all this weird stuff happening. I thought my machine broke. Well, it turns out there's the shot that the chopper fires gets stuck along the bottom, and he never <laughs> fires again. It's a glitch in the game, and it just you know randomly happens. So you know, it just you know there's a lot of strategizing, and I mean I I have probably about a hundred hours at least or more into just coming up with a strategy to to play the game out that long. But you know, get back to your I'm getting sidetracked a little bit. Back to the original question is is there was nothing that was going to stop me if if. I was either A, going to beat this fake score, come up with my own strategy, figure out how to play it however that guy played it. Whatever I was going to do, I was going to be the armor attack, world record holder, end of story. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and the, eventually it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was a lot of work, and, you know, and, and the game is not as easy as it looks for sure. I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, like ego, but, I mean, I definitely made it look easier than it is. Now, when the chopper quits firing, sure, the game gets easier, but it's going to drop back to max difficulty eventually. And that's where the marathon was really won. When people tuned in and saw I had 800 guys, at one point I had 985 men, I believe. I didn't. I had 985 men. Um, when the chopper quits firing, you can build up men. But that's not the reason I had that many men. The reason I had that many men is when that game dropped back down to max difficulty, I barely lost any men. So 
I would stay even in max difficulty, it would glitch out, and then I could crank up more men. Normally, um, anybody who watched my previous marathon in Denver, I was bleeding men in, in, at max difficulty at the, the 50 hour mark. I mean, I, I, was, I, I lost like 120 men in like, I don't know, right a, an hour, 40 minutes or something. Wow. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, and, and, and I totally tweaked my game in between those marathons. I thought if I can stay even, or even if I lose 20 men while I'm in hard mode, um, and it glitches back to no fire, I can build my men back up, and that's exactly what I did. And I got to the point where I had too many men. I actually had to bleed 400 men off at one point in the game. I just sat there and killed Does it, does it get to a point where it, it it rolls back around and you lose all of your... We didn't know. That's the that's the thing. And no, We really don't know for sure. We're, we're, ba- we're guessing the game is based on 12-bit, all its calculations, which means I should be able to crank up 496 men. Um, and the, the score rolls at 40,960. So what they're doing is they're padding the score with zero on, 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 all, your, on all your scores. So that's why it rolls at, the, at that weird number. And so we're also guessing the men are probably going to roll at that too. Oh, wow. But we don't know for yeah. sure. So, I, so theoretically, I could get 4,000 men. But we weren't sure if any of those bits were shared between the score and the men counter. If that was the case, that's a, that's a hard test to take. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And yeah. And, that, and and there was a big debate. I mean, if you watch the stream, I'm not sure what. I think it's around the 24-hour mark, somewhere around there, because we had David Cruz on there. We have John McAllister, who probably knows everything there is to know about cinematronics games. Um, a couple other guys that were computer guys, and we're all debating, you know, whether or not it can be done. And the and of course, this is all while I'm playing. And the, the final conclusion was we were all very – it's very likely that, that we can go above 1,000 men, but we don't know for sure. And John McAllister was funny because his last, his last words on the conversation where he's like, yeah, you can probably roll it over with no problem, but I wouldn't try. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Donkey Kong. The, the first person to hit the kill screen, uh, I bet they weren't real happy. Or was that known before it was hit, before they hit that? I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know if it was found – you know, physically in the game, and then someone did, you know, figured out the mathematics behind where it, because I think it's stack overflows, doesn't it? They, they walk out of space. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a timer issue. Yeah, the, the, the timer calculates the seven seconds instead of whatever, oh, okay. whatever 60, I don't know, yeah. 300 seconds, I don't know what it is. But I, I, I mean, Steve Wiebe mentioned that in college, he hit the kill screen and he thought the game was broke. He had it a couple times, I guess, and he sold the machine because he thought something was wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot of knowledge on that back in the early 80s, except yeah. for, you know, Billy Mitchell uh, being one of the first ones that hit it. And I don't even know if he knew if it was a kill screen or not. I mean, at that point in time, it, it's not like today when even if you didn't have MAME where you could get the, the program and just decompile it. You, unless you were the developer, you didn't have access to that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I know there's a few stories running around about some of the Williams games where a gentleman, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, I think he was from Spain, he he made his own device to read the ROMs from the ROM board of, I think it was Joust, and then walked it. I'd have to go find the story. and we'll have to, I'll dig it up. I've, done, I've talked about this in the past. And that's kind of how he figured out really how it worked, whatever the Williams game was. And, but he had to go through all these trials and tribulations, whereas I've got a $100 EEPROM programmer on my desk, and I'm just like, you know, I can read it. You know, and if I, if I can mess with the symbol, I can figure it out. So, Yeah, well, I, I know that like when, when Billy hit the kill screen, that was, at, that was actually at the, the, time, you know, the time photo event. And he played Steve Sanders, and that's when he hit the kill screen was when he, when he played Sanders because they played because he didn't believe that 
Sanders did the three million. Oh wow! So that was so, by, that was back in the eighties. Yeah, that was eighty. I believe it was eighty two. Eighty two. Yeah, for that photo event. Yeah, yeah. so he, he hit he, he hit that kill screen and did that eight hundred forty nine thousand, which stood up until um, Weeby beat it, or up until actually Tim Zerby beat it. Yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two thousand. Yeah, August two thousand. Okay. Yes, and it, that was at that time life photo at that 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 morning or whatever when they went and that weekend. So it was done then, and no one had ever. Well, I mean, if if um. Weeby said he had a kill screen in college. Obviously, he did it after, but there's you know there's no documentation. Yeah, either. right. I'm right. sure he's not lying, but you know. So what in, in Donkey Kong? What was the kind of barrier now? 1.2 million. Uh, yeah, that right now it's just 1.206 million. Now is there? In, admittedly, I am I'm behind on the side of the gaming world. I, I tend to be more kind of hands on. I like to fix them and then hope that I can play them to some degree to get my enjoyment out of them for the time spent working on them. Um, isn't there a little kind of a, a, a mystique following how you're scoring? I mean, is it like you don't want to just camp out, jump barrels, there's no hammer techniques? and Yeah, they have uh, actually pace charts now and pace programs they can use with MAME in conjunction with uh, MAME. It's a Pauline pace program, and it'll tell you your pace. And that the is points, amazing. Yeah, the points for each death of each guy. And basically it's calculated on your first four levels, you know, what your score is, plus, you know, what's your average from level five on, whether it's 57,000, 59,000, 60,000. So if you keep that average pace per screen, finishing the – and I'm assuming that it takes oh, – because you've also got an end-of-screen bonus, correct? Yeah. So it, it tries – that's how you're working out what you could achieve at that pace? Yeah, basically you're you're just grouping and taking an average of each each level, you know, and you're just grouping barrels, point pressing everything you can, and it, it's it's just a lot of luck involved because it, it's just such, it's it's random, you know. It's like Dean's game, he'll probably never have another game like that. Of course, you know they're playing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games, you know, and it, it took that long for him to get that one game. Yeah. Now that was his goal he was shooting for. But me, I can sit and play and play and play, and I still haven't broke a million yet. You know, of course, I don't have that level of skill as these guys do to have a level, you know, a 130,000 level four start and then averaging 57,000 per board, you know, on, on world record pace. Wow, 57. And it's just, it's it just takes a lot of time to invest in the game to get that good. So if you're playing out to a kill screen at a reasonable pace, what's your gameplay time? Clock wall time? Uh, a little over an hour and a half. I mean, you could speed run it in about an hour and 20 minutes, about an hour and 40. Yeah, about an hour and 45 minutes for just a uh, top hammer only kill screen game. And you're looking at scores anywhere from 830,000 to, you know, low 900,000s. So, so let, let me get... You going to make it, Whitney? <laughs> 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 All right, well, let Whitney recover. So, John, you, you've you done, correct me if I'm wrong, you've mar- you've got the, a marathon record, the longest game yeah. on yeah. a quarter, on, on a, a credit. Yeah, well, that was with the Armor Attack Marathon. That was kind of like the first goal. The main goal was to get the, the Armor Attack world record. And then after that, I was going for 100 hours. Um, and then, of course, the, in between that, the goal was to surpass George Lutz's 84 hours, 43 minutes. So I, I ended up 85 hours and 16 minutes. So if you're building up 
if, if at one point in time you're shedding off four, shedding 400 guys, men, or do you get to a point where you're okay? I'm going to take a power net for 15 minutes. What's yeah? There was a whole. I mean, the the marathon. You know, there's there's people that think I just jumped on and said, hey, I'm gonna. I mean, you know, obviously it was planned out because we said, hey, I'm gonna do it on this day. But there was so much more to it than just getting on and playing, even planning it. I mean, the, was the, the game close to the restroom? Was yeah, I, I, I could I could run to the bathroom and back in a, in a minute <laughs> because and basically how it works when you when you do a marathon they they go by Guinness rules and how, what the rules there are for every hour that you play you you get five minutes of break time and you can accrue that you can add that five minutes up and you can accrue up to an hour once you hit an hour you can't add any more time to that so um, I'm good friends with George Lutz, who had the who who set the Cubert world record. That that was a 30 year old record as well, 32 year old record, and he did the longest game on one quarter as well. Now I'm really good friends with George, and you know we were talking back and forth before I did my first marathon, and I really liked the way he did it. He he, I think he played 16 hours and then took a a 45 minute break or an hour break, and then took a power nap during that break, and then after that I. He said he went nine hours and then with a 45-minute break, but I thought he did eight hours and a 40-minute break. But either way, um, I like the idea of the eight-hour play, 40-minute break. And during that 40-minute break, I'd go to the bathroom, maybe eat something really quick, and try to get as much sleep as I could in that 40 minutes. And in that 40-minute break, I'm guessing I anywhere from probably 15 to 35 minutes sleep, depending on what I did during that break. And the, the strange thing about it is is – you would think that during those breaks, like, okay, I got a 40-minute break. I'll walk over, lay down, and I had a couch, like, right next to the machine pretty much. You'd think you'd lay down and just, boom, be out. It was hard to fall asleep. Probably wired up. It, it just was the weirdest thing, you know. And and I, during that marathon, I don't ever recall getting tired to where I was falling, like, felt like I was falling asleep. When I did the first marathon in Denver, at one point, I almost fell asleep on my feet. My legs buckled, and I almost went out. And I just started eating some food. I figured, well, I'll just eat. Maybe I'll get my mind going or whatever. And that kind of brought me back, and I made it through to the next break. But during the last marathon, that 85-hour, I never really felt tired, like, dozing off at the machine. It was really weird. It was almost like I would get into my body would drop into this, like, really mellow chill mode. And I would just, I was like, I was on autopilot. I didn't feel tired, but I was, I could tell that I was at a different level of consciousness. Very strange. And when that happened, I would start hallucinating and, you know, and my motor skills start slowing down. Uh, but I always knew in the back of my head I had a break coming, you know, and that kind of kept me going. And then I, it was like clockwork. As soon as I hit that eight hours, I was like, later, and I'd jump off the machine, you know, go to the bathroom maybe. And I, so the machine's just running, yeah, clicking yeah. cycles. Oh, yeah. During that 40-minute break, I would lose uh, about 225 men. Yeah. Wow. And then, uh, and then I would get up. And as time went on, you know, your return on investment on that sleep starts dwindling. Like, I get that 40-minute break, get about 30 minutes of sleep, and I would come back to the machine, and um, I'd play, and I'd be good for about six hours, maybe a little longer. And then I would then the hallucinating would start kicking in, um, you know, just the, the whole zombie mode. And, I, you know, I knew my – and I wouldn't be able to control the machine as well, and then, boom, I'd take my break. Well, then it got to the point where I was only good for maybe five hours, you know, maybe four hours <laughs> So the return on investment really started to dwindle after about the 75-hour mark after I hit the world record. So, Estel, on the Donkey Kong side, it, are you working like that to accrue men, and then that way you can 
or jump men in Donkey Kong so that you can run the game out to try to get to the kill screen, or do you have to be like really, really conservative? I don't know how Donkey Kong awards men. There's there's only a set amount. You start off with uh, what three men and get a bonus at uh, seven thousand. That's it. And that's, that's it. That's all you got for the next twenty two levels. <laughs> So when you finish out, you know, the kill screen, are you are you usually maxed out at that point? Have you gotten to that level? Or? Uh, my first kill screen, I actually made it with a, a man to spare, uh, and then my second kill screen, yeah, I ended up just barely making it with my last man. Of course, I was pushing double hammers, but yeah, you only get a set number of men, and then is that's it. It's it's brutal. And the kill screen takes the game out, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're done. And it, with that, that's what surprised me, because I thought you hit the kill screen, okay, you die, and that's it, shuts off. Well, because I had that extra man, I ran the kill screen, died, and I was getting ready to walk away, and it started again. Oh, okay. And it's like, okay, I had to play all your men out, but yeah, you cannot get any further. So, so every man that you have left. <laughs> Poor Whitney. So every man that you have left, do you want to write it down or sign it to me or anything? <laughs> So every man that I think this is where you were going, Whitney. So every man that you have left, does it just re-kill screen? Does it calculate the the timer to seven seconds? Yeah, and just same thing. And a lot of people do after you have a few men left. What you'll do is you'll sacrifice those men on the previous barrel board because that's where you can gain the most points. You can get up. To you'll them, push. You know, you'll push a little. Take a few more risks. Try to drive the points. Up. Yeah. What you'll do is you have two men left, and you make it to the last barrel board before the kill, before the rivet board, and then the kill screen. And they'll go ahead and kill off their men. They'll max out as many points as they can get, 12, 13, 14,000 points for that barrel board, kill them off, and then take that last man and run it to the end. Try to get an extra, you know, ten to 14,000 for that last man. Has, has anybody talked about uh, just trying to fix that in code? I mean, of course, that would kind of get outside the bounds of the Twin Galaxy rules, but just for the community, has anybody... Gotten there's a, in there's a ROM set out there. I yeah, think. there's a ROM oh, set main for a no kill screen Donkey Kong. Okay. Now, if you were playing that, that no kill screen ROM set, how 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 much further could you go? <laughs> I probably couldn't get any further. I mean, you still got that randomness. It's still hard. I mean, it's just non forgiving. There's still just so much luck to get to the end skill required to get to the end, uh, just on the what men you have. And if you just extend that game on. You know, some of the top players could, as long as they're running boards, they can keep on rolling with it. I but, actually, um, I had that conversation with Ch- Hang Chen actually about two months ago, um, about a, you know a Donkey Kong, a game of Donkey Kong, with the no kill screen ROM set, and he seems to think he can play a while. You know, he didn't really give me a, a set number, but he was like, man, he's like, I would have to be prepared for that because th- you know, like, it was, he's like, I think I could you know go for a while, definitely. So. Because he told me uh, in, in you know, Richie Knuckles Arcade a couple times that he can really almost kill screen it every time he plays if he wants to. So, here's the, do you all have any other games in your game room? Esto, obviously you've got a Donkey Kong. Uh, yeah, I had a Donkey Kong. I had to get rid of it, but I'm shopping for one right now. Okay. Oh, but I do, I do have a kicker. Uh, oh, that's uh, a, yeah, that's a great game. Yeah, 1985 Konami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it used to be called Shaolin's Road. Oh, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of uh, Kick. Or Kickman. It had two different names. All right, I'm thinking of it. I'm not familiar with that game. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I've been working on the um, – I'm going to marathon that here soon, hopefully in the next couple of months, you know, working with John, getting some helpful tips from him. But I'm, oh, not, yeah. shooting, I'm not shooting for no 80 hours. Whatever, <laughs> dude. You're doing 80. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm hoping – now, is the plan to do it here at Carey's? 
Yeah, we, I've been, are, I've we been, will we will visit, but I don't see that we'll be on the air for eighty hours. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I'm trying to work out the logistics with my wife first. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, I think it's I think it might be good to go here, and, yeah. and I'd like to do it at this venue. If it ends it, up here, I'll 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 make it out. I'll be your wingman. I appreciate well, it. I think yeah. we should put the what did you say? It's a kicker. Or can I, I'm gonna have to Google that. Yeah, and, kicker. We put that in the armor attack back to back, and it's just last man standing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'd last that long. I've, the, the longest I've marathoned is the kicker on Mame, and that was just me sitting on the couch for eight hours. Case and out, then I just stopped. In case I'm out and doing some pixie sticks, man, I think we could. I, well, I think we're in. <laughs> well, see, that, that's a thing that the the uh, the uh, a misleading you know urban legend or whatever the the whole you know uh, you know Red Bull and all that 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 doesn't work. That's not going to get you eighty some hours. That's, you're gonna you're gonna pass out somewhere along the line from the downer on that, and that was one one of the things I was getting at early, like the you know the the preparation and at least for me, you know I went into it serious. I you know I I I researched sleep deprivation. I researched you know nutrients, your what your body needs, you know your best thing to eat to stay awake to fight sleep deprivation, um, and you know you, you if you start if you're drinking Red Bulls and that. You know, you're going to get that false, you know, burst of energy there for a little bit, but the crash is what's going to get you. Well, what is the recovery like? You know, after you've done this marathon event, what do you have to do to bounce back? Well, the, the first one, the, your, your body definitely learns and, and adjusts to, you know, anything you do like that. I, I, and to be honest, I think you could do something like that in 1985. And in 1987, if you go to do it again, you're going you're gonna to have a better go at it, even though it's that much later. You're, I mean, your brain and body remembers this, this stuff. And George Lutz was telling me that, that, you know, every time he did his marathons, he, he learned a little more and was able to go a little longer. And after the first marathon I did in Denver, I played 10 hours. The fire button broke. I stopped. We took a four-hour break. I slept about an hour. Um, we got the machine back, button allegedly fixed, and I went 53 hours, the machine, the button broke again, and that's when I had to quit. So I was like 67 hours. Now, I was I was going to marathon Tron, or not marathon, I was going for now, the What do you do in that situation? Did they fix the game while it was running, just take the control panel off of it? and? No, because what happened the first time, the actual leaf, I destroyed the leaf. The leaf just blew apart. The, the actual, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 yeah. the contact gold tip there just blew off of it. And, it, and I was just firing off the metal, and it was it wasn't working very well because like John Jamshid pulled. I, I remember I was like half asleep, and it, he pulled the control panel off. And he's like, "Oh my god!" And like woke me up, and I'm like, "What?" I thought the machine was like done. He's like, "This." He's like, "I never seen a leaf this bad." So he replaced the leaf. Well, what happened is those are the original 30 year old buttons on there. Uh, you know, I mean, I learned a valuable lesson on machine prep on that one. Uh, so we fixed it, adjusted the buttons, everything was good to go. Um, but what happened is the spring inside the button failed. Did it fail? Well, it worked, but it was it was rusted, and all the debris falling off it from me firing was jamming the button. Oh. And I could I could beat it and spin it around, and it would work for a while. But towards the end, I I, I was I could you know barely tap the button, and I could play. And I'm like, right, well, I'm gonna play the game out because at this point I didn't have enough guys to take a break, so I figured I'd just play as long as I could play. And I hit the button one time really hard, and it jammed down and never came back up. And um, that was the end of the marathon there. But I was the the funny thing is I had this great idea that I was gonna I was gonna marathon armor attack it was like to kick to kick off the Kong off three week. So that Saturday I'd start the armor attack, you know, finish it on Tuesday or whatever day Wednesday, take a two day break, and then go for the Tron world record. 
<laughs> worst idea ever <laughs> because I couldn't think straight for a couple days. I mean, I I would talk and I couldn't think of what word to say next, and it was just really weird. I just, well, that's me every day. Yeah, well, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, that's me too. But it was even worse, oh, okay. you know. But uh, it, it took me about three days. I think Saturday, mid midday Saturday, I really felt back to normal as far as thinking wise um, and sleep wise. I felt I felt fine. Now. On the, after the 80s, after the 85-hour game, I didn't have the issue with not being able to, to think as sharply. But I noticed that the next day, um, I, I only slept 10 hours. I mean, I, I woke up 10 hours after the, I you know slept for the marathon. I felt fine. But that evening, about 8 o'clock, I just bonked. I was out. I could not stay awake. The next night, about 9 o'clock, I bonked. And it took about a week before I was back to where I wasn't really tired at the end of the day. Uh, but mental, uh, mentally thinking wise and all that, I felt fine after it. Where in Denver, I did not. But like, again, I think I think your your body can adjust to it. After, you know, after a while, I think it was about five or six months be, months between both of those uh, marathons. So. so, what is the what what is your time frame on Tron right now? What do you mean, my I don't, for for going for the world record? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I got I, I need to determine a, a day I can do it. I don't want to take any time off work because that's a 24-hour. I believe you know I can do that on a weekend or something. Uh, but I you know to me, you're doing these world records for yourself. You know, at least for me. I mean, I'm not doing it. To, you know, the, the fact I'm, if I wouldn't have done what I did in Armortech, I wouldn't be sitting right here right now. You know, it's kind of cool getting some recognition uh, for you him. can't you know you can't get any higher level of recognition uh, exactly, yeah. than sitting here with a couple guys from louisville one of which can't speak word <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's nice to get that recognition i didn't expect it i didn't do it because that. i did it because i wanted the record because i love armor attack yeah um so it's it's, it's nice to get that recognition um and it's but I, you know, to me, it's like my peers, the guys. Like I, I got so many messages from like guys like Leo Daniels, Robert Murchek, um, just a, a lot of these classic gamers that to me have clout. That like what they say to me matters. So did they find your videos on Twitch or well, they, on they YouTube? Know, they, or? they know who I am. I'm friends with some of the guys okay. on Facebook. But every, you know, the the marathon, you know, the. The guys at Marathon knew that Marathon was going on, so people were following it, you know. Yeah. And it, and it was nice to me. That's what meant the most to me. I mean, if they was to send my video in uh, for that game in the Twin Galaxies and they said, oh, you know, you cheated, it's not right, whatever, so you broke a rule or who knows, I, I could care less because I got, got John McAllister, Leo Daniels, Robert Murchek, um, Lonnie McDonald, um, shoot, Ken House. I mean, these guys like you know got my back like that was awesome it was you you know you played it right it was amazing you know to me that's what meant a lot not you know not all these news articles and stuff because there was stuff that in different countries there was articles about it but that's what meant a lot to me so getting back to like the time frame for tron to me when i was doing the armor tag marathon everybody i was doing it with everybody that was watching me on twitch you know to me to me they were helping me out now, there's my a lot of my friends were up there and they were keeping me going talking and joking and you know because emotionally I was up and down it was just really stressful you know I would be you know that sleep deprivation just does a lot at least to me emotionally it was I would be like feeling great one minute then all mad about something that somebody said in the chat the next and raging and it was so were you were were you while you were playing, was someone there looking at what was going on online and kind of keeping you up to date? Yeah, I was, I was streaming it on Twitch, and there was about, um, I think at the most, maybe 65, 70 people 
like at peak viewing time, but there's always somebody watching, and it was always usually somebody that I know, either a friend on Facebook or just someone I've known all my life. We were just kind of keeping tabs, and, and I had a big 32-inch screen right there in front of me to the right of the machine so I could see who was on there and I could chat back and forth. And to me, it was like a journey with everybody else. Without that, it wouldn't have been as fun. As oh, that would have been too distracting for me. <laughs> it's like I've I, seen... I think that's a neat setup. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I, I'm... I'm easily distracted, so that would have that would have. Oh, I done definitely me died in. times when I should have because I was looking at Look the at chat. The, but <laughs> it's not. I mean, to me, it wouldn't. Uh, that's part of the game for me. I mean, I, I guess some people would just play it and just go for, going for the record and concentrate as much as you can. But you know, I'm not. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm doing it for me. But it's also with my friends that are the friends in the gaming community are what make it. Yeah. If I was sitting there playing these games by myself, it wouldn't even be any fun. It's sharing it with everybody else. So the fact that I had all the usual suspects that are always on these chats or watching whoever it is do a world record. Yeah, that, that is really cool. That's that's what made it for me, and that's why I do it. So getting back to the Tron, I want to try to do it on a weekend or sometime where everybody can get on and they can watch and we can all hang out and everybody can make fun of me while I'm raging on the game and we can all chat and have a good time. Now, Tron, that one I won't be watching the chat. You have to, the game is, you, have, you only have, it's kind of like Donkey Kong. You have three men, you get an extra guy at 10,000. So, you know, you only have four guys that play in 24 hours. Wow. So there's yeah. not going to be a whole lot of me watching the chat, but I still wanted my friends to be able to watch it and, and experience it with me, you know, so... I want to do like I was thinking maybe Fourth of July weekend or something like that, you know. Okay. But but I can't, you know. I got a you know family to go with, you know, to, to do stuff with as well. Oh, they, so. they can wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Estel, when you you've played at Kong off, correct? I have not. Oh, I thought I you had. No, I was invited to the last two Kong offs. I just for went through a divorce the last couple of years. Okay, that's had some issues. I just couldn't make it. Um, yeah, but I plan on going definitely this year. I'm not going to miss it this year. I already got everything scheduled and planned out. Whenever wow. So have, have you already been invited? Well, it's a wild card. They have wild oh, card. It's, oh, it's a bracket system. Okay, and that's gotcha. what they have um, an online open. And what they do is everybody signs up, plays on the uh, Donkey Kong online open, and that I think they're switching it instead of playing hardcore for three days straight, hours upon hours. I think they're switching it up to a bracket. I think. A, yeah, it's not 100%. Um, you know, it's, Richie Knuckles is the – is the brainchild the Kong office is his baby and they're going to switch it up this year and it hasn't been a, a, you know 100% announced yet how it's going to be but I would be shocked if it did not go NCAA bracket style I'm 99% yeah. sure that's what's going to happen but you know the end decisions for Richie to make but Steve Wiebe was the one who suggested it you know how are you going to I can argue with Steve, you know. <laughs> if it wasn't for Steve, we all wouldn't be be here while going to Kong offs and stuff, you know. So, so how were they doing it before? Was it just you'd have would you say so so many hours or whatever for to post a score, and then they took the highest, or yeah, basically the highest score throughout the weekend, uh, the three day event. But the first three Kong offs were all in by you got the top twelve. You had a, a reserve seat for the top twelve. Um, last Kong off, then you had the, the the last two Kong offs. You had a wild card. You know, uh, event where every played everybody played in the wild card separate machines, and the highest score moved on to the finals uh, with the other twelve players. So it went score based. So I've seen the pictures. Did you all rotate machine to machine in case there was a, a control advantage or something on one machine, or, or, you know, I, I've seen some of the. In, admittedly, this is another aspect of the hobby that I'm kind of on the outside of. Um, 
uh, like Papa when they do their pin tournaments. You know, they have a qualification where you go in and there's certain games that you play and you work your way into the finals. And you're not necessarily, you're not just playing this game. You know, they have a, a method worked out where you basically rotate through a, a pool of games so that if you're stronger here than you are there, you have a little better, a better chance. I mean, how does that work? Like they were doing the Kong off. Were you on a machine and that's kind of where you were trying to make your spot or because you know, they all play different. They all look the same, but, I mean, we all know they all have a little different touch yeah, and I'm feel. Sure they, they all have their own yeah, I, I, from what I've seen, because since I... They all have their own personality. Thank you, Brent. <laughs> yes. From what I've seen since I haven't been there, but uh, there's some people that actually brought their own control panels, you know, just to make sure, and, I, and Richie was cool with that, have them hook up I there, didn't think about that. Hey, that's, I think it's great, you know, yeah. because, well, Richie takes care. He's, he's sort of anal about his machines. He, he, I've seen them. They look good. They're... You know, they're refurbished to almost mint. So I know the control panel is going to be good. He's not going to – every machine he tried to set up exactly the same. So it's pretty much fair across the board no matter what machine you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the Kong Off 3, like Eric Tesler, who's a, a Donkey Kong player, Eric Tesler and I, we run the uh, the online tournament. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that, which is going, to be used to, it's going to be used to seed the, the brackets if, in fact, that's what happens. We we ran the wild card division at the Kong Off 3. So w- what they – what they did is they had 30 machines, and they put 12, 12 machines for the top 12 players. And um, we started the wild card event actually the day before the, the Kong off started. So anybody could come in and play on the wild card machines. And, you know, the highest score, the, the top, I think we had a top 16 moved on to the next day. And then the top eight, or I can't remember what it was, eight or six, moved on to the final day and could have their own dedicated machine with all the top players. But what they did on Friday is the top players out of all 30 of those machines got to walk around and play and look at all those machines. And the, the, the top score, like Hank Chen was the number one, you know, the best, the highest score, he got to pick first. So he got first picked of those 30 machines, which one he wanted to use during the Kong off. And then it went down, you know, to the next guy, to the next guy, so all the machines were picked by the top 12. Those machines were all moved to the left of the row. And then the rest of the machines went to the right, and then we just rotated. The wildcard guys just rotated on those machines. So that's how they picked the machine. And, and then, of course, once you pick the machine, if you brought your own control panel, you could put your control panel on it. So they're basing the machine on how good the monitor looked. And, you know, if you brought your own control panel, the control panel really didn't matter. So they, it sounds like they at least try to take that into account. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They basically made, you know, like, hey, you know, you're the top guy. You get the, your first pick of these, this machine. And, of course, the wild card guys, you, you played on whatever machine was open. So how they did that is the wild card was the wild card group. Uh, we had a list, and let's say we had eight machines, and say there's 30 wild card guys. We just went down the list. Um, the year before, they put, like, five guys per machine, and it really didn't work out because, like, the group that I was in, I played like seven games. There was other groups that guys only got to play like two games because a couple of the guys played really long games. So we did this time. We just had a, the group there, and we watched whoever, whosoever game was over, when that machine opened up, the next person in line just jumped on that machine. And that way everybody got to play a decent amount of games. So, you know, and the nice thing about it is, is you know, this stuff is it's like a work in progress. No one's ever done it before. So, you know, we've learned our lesson from, you know, past experience and are tweaking it you know from there so that's how it went you know everybody the, the top guys got to pick their machines and hopefully they they all worked they, they all they all were really good shape this year all 30 of those machines were really good 30 machines oh yeah, yeah. i'm just trying to think of trying to round up 30 
30 Donkey Kongs. I mean, I guess it's possible. Obviously, it's possible. It was Richie's in New, New Jersey? Yeah, but this the, this was the, the Kong-Off. Richie was part owner of Twin Galaxies and with Jordan Adler, and the Kong-Off was in Denver. The Kong-Off 2 was in Denver, and the Kong-Off 3 was in Denver at the 1UP Arcade. So they got those machines ready um, at, throughout the year at the 1UP. And then, they, and then of course, they had all the machines from the Kong-Off 2, and I think they just got a few more and then tweaked the machines that they had. Um, and then set them all up and that was it so now this year richie's on is back on his own with the kong off um because you know the the whole twin galaxy split everybody kind of went their own separate ways right. and so richie's is setting everything up now and i, I don't know if I, are you friends with richie on facebook yeah Does, did he say how many machines he had i know he's he was posting for about a week like another donkey kong another donkey kong i mean he's got a decent amount already yeah i know he had like 12 or 14 and then i saw a uh one of the photos he had, which had six DKs on the back of a trailer, so I know yeah. there's six more of them. <laughs> yeah, so he's 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 gonna have enough by the time I think November rolls around. So is is he doing all the refurbishment himself? It looks like it. He capped like eight monitors in one day. <laughs> he's like new world record wow. eight monitors in one day. <laughs> so he's you know he knows what he's doing. I mean, it's like Estel said, he's his machines. Are good. I mean, he 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 can he can refurb a machine with the best of them, if not the best. So, is do you know if Richie's looking to do anything other than Donkey? Well, I can almost see where that would be a year in the making. If you're if you're trying yeah. to support that many machines and that many people, I mean, I can see where that would just be. That would be a yearly event. I mean, that would kind of be it. Yeah, I'm good friends with Richie. I talk to him a lot, and uh, he. I asked him specifically that question: if, if, if are there any other events that are going to go on? Because how Richie made his name is, his arcade was the arcade to go to to set a record. Before the whole, before he got involved with Twin Galaxies, for a couple of years, I mean that was the place to go. He had the Richie Knuckles Invitational. I mean George Lutz did the the Cubit record there and set the longest arcade game played. As a matter of fact, while George was playing that Cubert game, I stopped up and I tried to do two million live on Tron. It was when I first started playing the game. So I figured if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it live at you know Richie's. So that was like the place to go to do all this. Then with Twin Galaxies, all you know, the things just didn't go as smooth I think as they hoped. And so you know Richie's kind of back to building up to what he's what he did before with all these different events. But he said that the Kong off is there's so much he has to do for the Kong off that you're not gonna see uh, any other events. You know, at least from when I talked to him uh, until after the Kong off, and I think then he's going to start thinking about, you know, doing some other things. Because once he gets this next Kong off under his belt, he's going to have those machines ready. You know, they're going to be done. So the next Kong off, he's he's not going to have to worry about getting these machines. So hopefully, we'll start seeing some more events, you know, out of his arcade. Because at one time, that like I said, that was a place to go to set set some records. But there's a lot, a lot of arcades have popped up since since he was, you know, the the place to go. And I think you'll see some stuff happening here. I mean, I. I mean, I've really been ta- talking to Kerry, and he's totally up for it. I think Kerry can kind of make a name for this arcade doing the same thing. You right. Know? Well, I mentioned earlier uh, earlier in the show that Whitney and I have not made it here yet, and the, the kind of the joke between us has been we've threatened to come up and see Whitney for a long time. So it turned into let's schedule something, and then that turned into uh, let's just do a show from uh, you know from the arcade. And so but we've not been here yet, and we were, Whitney and I were going through the list of games earlier, and. Uh, not only does Kerry have a nice place, he's uh, tonight he's picked up just the time that we've been on. I'm watching the door, and he's had quite a few people come through here. Uh, there's still machines that are available to play, but he's got some very nice titles in very good shape. 
Um, and, and he's got a little bit of space. I can see where we, you know, I'd, I hope that he gets into doing some other events, some other promotion. He's in a, the, the location's nice. You know, it's, it's not too difficult to get to Cincinnati from a lot of places up and down the East Coast. So, um, I don't. I wonder what's in Mr. Carey's future. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to talk to him. Well, I, I definitely think he's dispelling the myth that you have to have a barcade to have a, success, a successful arcade. Yeah. Because um, you know, from you know my discussions with him, things are going well here, and I, I think it's a great arcade. It's got a great atmosphere, and you know, and he's 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 not. He's not dumping money. You know, the, the arcade supporting itself, if not making money. I mean, I don't do the books, but I know that he's not, you know, money's not going out of the pocket. So, I mean, it's it's at least supporting itself, and he hasn't even been up for years. So, I mean, it, it can go nowhere but up. And I, you know, I, I, I wrestle with the, the thought of how long is this arcade, classic arcade rebirth going to last? Is it a fad? Is it something that's going to... But, you know, a year ago, I thought, I think we're going to start to see this going downhill, and it's just still catching steam. So I, I honestly think that, you know, that we might, <laughs> I hate to maybe jinx it, but maybe we'll, we'll be around a lot longer than I, than I thought, <laughs> which is great, you know, great for me. I mean, Well, I, it doesn't seem like Donkey Kong's going away. Well, maybe all the machines, because Richie's buying them all. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's hoarding them all. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to that question <laughs> earlier about, like, how long is Donkey Kong... I, I even think with the with the the cap on the score, one, what, what what do they th- think is going to be the one point two three? I think uh, Dean was actually on pace for uh, one point yeah one point two three at one time. Yeah, I, I think even with that capping out, the fact that you still have Mario is still relevant. Donkey Kong is still relevant. Not Donkey Kong as the game doesn't have the relevance, but Donkey Kong the character. There's still these games are still coming out. Mario, I mean, every little kid knows. There's more kids that know Mario than when I was a kid. Yeah, now, yeah, and and yeah. and with the King of Kong, I don't think I don't really see that dying out because someone's gonna see that movie and go, man, you gotta watch this. You know, it's just it's, it's just gonna it's just like a, a classic, and I think it's really gonna get people to start like, wow, I'd like to play those old games. And, well, and that's even got the document uh, the documentarians moving because there's been there's been several arcade-based documentaries that have come out since King oh, of Kong. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot in the works right now also. Oh, it was, well, yeah. one I know Whitney's talked about uh, here recently is The Space Invaders, which isn't isn't about, like, a, when I first heard of it, I thought it was going to be about a Space Invaders player, and it's more about the collecting side. I haven't seen it yet, so do you, you've got it, Whitney, don't you? Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I do, but I have not watched it You yet. haven't? It's more about collecting, and it's how they invade space. Yeah, it, how how it turns your garage into a, a, a de facto arcade. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, I yeah. see it. <laughs> I, I've, well, I, I'm like a documentary fiend, not just video game document, any documentaries. I, tr- I probably watch at least five a week. <laughs> and well, I, later and we'll talk about the Hoover Dam. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Dave Danzera, I don't know if the video craze, if you heard that, that's that's another good one. Dave's a great guy. Um, I, I met him a, a couple years ago. Maybe it's maybe it's only been a year or so, but uh, he, he's he's a great guy, and he's he's actually working on another documentary. Uh, no no princess in the in the no princess in this castle, I believe, is is another one, and that's going to be good. That's about women in gaming and the trials and tribulations and you know, all the things they have to go through in a you know in a in a hobby that's you know typically male. Yeah, typically male, and then a lot and a, and. And a, a decent amount of jerks <laughs> yeah. in the, the hobby as the, well. The only lady I've ever bought a game from was the result of the divorce. So, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> now, me and us, though, we're two of the top, you know, good guys. And, you know, you, <laughs> well, 
least I am. I don't know about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> no, no, no. There's, I mean, there, the, 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 there's more good people than bad for sure. But, uh, but yeah, that, that I can't wait for that one to come out because there's a lot of controversy brewing around that. Uh, the the Nibbler documentary that. I'm the think, Nibbler documentary. I'm thinking that one may end up being the best one because from the trailer, that looks great. See, now that uh, the, I have not heard of that one. It's called what's the Man vs. Snake. Man vs. Snake. Oh, you got to watch the trailer for that. And is it about Nibbler, or has it got like a twist to the title, like the Space Invaders? It's about it's, you know it's about um, Tim McVeigh set uh, one the first one billion point game back in 1982-83 on Nibbler at the Twin Galaxies Arcade, and basically it's it's kind of a uh, it's him versus Dwayne Richards, who I mentioned earlier about Armor Attack. Now, Dwayne is well versed. Dwayne is a top gamer, uh, you know, back in the day. Now, in the day in Ar- when he was playing Armor Attack and Nibbler, you know, he's 15, he was 15 years old, and he's still, you know, considered one of the greatest gamers, you know, these these days for what he did back then. I don't know how much he plays now. I haven't really talked to him about his present gaming, but they basically. Somewhere along the line, I don't know if they set this up purposely or if Dwayne got wind that they're making this directory, but they basically pitted Dwayne against Tim head-to-head to break the Nibbler current record. And, they, and of course, it's all the drama because Dwayne's a character to begin with. You know, he's crazy, and I'm sure, and I don't mean in a bad way, I'm sure he'll even admit <laughs> to a certain degree that, you know, he's, he's out there. He's a, he's a great guy. I love him. But And uh, Tim is, a, is, you know, these are two personalities that, you know, I just can't wait to watch the film to see these, you know, these guys clash. Now they're friends. It wasn't like they they hate each other or anything, but you know, they took it serious and they, you know, they and it's tongue in cheek. You know, they look like they did a great job on putting the story together to make it fun for almost anybody to watch. So I, I'm I'm that's the documentary I'm really looking forward to. And you know, Brandon, at some point we're gonna have to do a documentary review. At some point we're gonna have to do a documentary review. Yes, yes, I agree. There's some good ones out there. Um, another good one is the High Score um, with uh, Bill Carlton. Where I've not even heard of that one. That came out around the same time, maybe even a year before um, the King of Kong. It's about it's a 52 minute. It's not full length movie, but it's uh, it documents Bill going for the Missile Command world record, and uh, that's a that that's my favorite documentary. I I you know I. Really showing my nerd factor here. I probably watch it at least once a month. And, you know, I got well. I got the whole. You know, in order to play some of these these old games, you have to have some kind of OCD. So I'm right up there, so I can watch the same thing over and over and over. But um, High Score is a great one. I recommend that to anybody. Um, it's it's very well put together, and it's and Bill's Bill's a good guy, he's a character, and um, that's a really good documentary. Now, and, uh, John, let me ask. You said you were for, what a couple hours farther north. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm. I'm basically in Cleveland. We'll say for. And so, where are you from? Actually, the Dayton area. So you're in the Dayton area. Do you all? Ha- I know in uh, Cincinnati. I don't know of one in Louisville yet, but they do. Uh, uh, talking about resurgence in gaming, one of the things Whitney and I've talked about, probably not as much on the show, is uh, is resurgence on the pinball side. You know, uh, not only Stern selling more machines, uh, boutique companies coming in and selling machines, becoming viable. Uh, a couple of them just showing prototype machines and selling a run out before they've actually produced. I mean, it's getting uh, pretty hot and heavy in the pinball world. Is is there a league play for any of the games that you all play uh, uh, up in Dayton or up in your hometown, John? No. Uh, video games? No. There's no. The you know the one sad thing about the the classic gaming community it's like it's kind of broken to a certain degree there's it, it, you know there's there's 
competitions where they like they used to have the Richie Knuckles Invitational. They have the ClassicGamingArcade.com. Um, they had, they do that every year. But yeah, that was, that's what the Mark Al. Yeah, yeah, Mark Alpert. Yeah, yeah. But it just it doesn't. It seems like everybody's kind of offshoots and tries to do their own thing. And it, you know, there's I don't know if there's I don't know. There's some of these guys have been into it for so long. There's I think there's maybe some animosity between people and that. It, just, it seems like it's really hard to get you know some people together to do something you know but uh, you know that just my opinion i don't you know and there's nothing out where i'm at you know and I, maybe this maybe it's too small of a of a group you know well i, I would think know. that the arcade folks that's what you're gonna say i think oh, arcade I was gonna folks say this is the same thing in the dayton area i mean just the community is just spread so you know across the country so thin. yeah it's very it's spread very thin you know and, and there's a few people over in australia and Denmark are playing and streaming and stuff, but around the local area here, yeah, there's not. I mean, I it tends, tends to be more far east coast, like New Jersey with Richie Knuckles, or, and, and in New York, you got a, a big group, and even on the west coast, you know, like the Ken K, there's a Bring bunch of Bring that mic in a little closer to Yeah, you actually, that's a good it's, point. I wonder, almost wonder if it's just organization, because, you know, the, the pin folks. That seems to have kind of come, you know, Papa's brought a resurgence and uh, the tournament plays brought a resurgence and then folks are kind of using their rule sets and their organizational techniques and and kind of setting up leagues. I would have thought it would have been easier to have a gaming league just because of access to the equipment. I mean, let's just be honest. You can come across a, a nice title an A-type title, arcade title, much easier than you can at pinball in terms of uh, uh, cash outlay. You yeah, know, it's easier to maintain, and I'm just a little surprised. For cost, yeah, for pinball. I've seen some of the prices on them, yeah. it's Anyway, Thousands. just your classic arcades, you know, you look across Craigslist, you know, it depends. You get a refurbished DK, you know, I've seen one for $700, mint, totally refurbished, you know, all the way down to a couple hundred bucks. Uh, but pinballs, I've never seen a cheap Cheap. Even a broke pinball goes for five hundred. <laughs> yeah, I say if, if you're gonna you're you're gonna get a, a lower grade DMD title, you know, even if it needs to be shopped, you're five, seven, eight hundred dollars easy. Well, you know, I I this just popped in my head. I, I forgot about this. Every for the last three years, they've been doing the Battle of the Arcades, and that's almost what you guys are talking about. They have what they do is it's a another you know another thing thought up by Richie Knuckles. And um, George Lutz and Ken House kind of really, you know, took the reins this year. And what they try to do is they get, ar- you know, arcades across the world. It doesn't it doesn't have to necessarily be in the United States. And you you know you get your group of guys at the arcade. They pick a set amount of titles, and then they have a competition that it's based on the scoring of how everybody plays on each one of those titles throughout the weekend. And however that algorithm works. They base, you know, each arcade score for the winner of the Battle of the Arcades. And this year, I think they had four arcades. I know they had Richie Knuckles Arcade, they had Ken House, Galloping Ghost, and I think Fun Spot or someone up north. You know, and they're really trying to expand it. Like next next year, I believe uh, Chassis Arcade. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it or not. In Denmark, where Kim Cannonarm did the Gyrus World Record a, a few months back. I, I believe that arcade's going to get in it, so we're going to—it's going to go international uh, next year. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to Richie and Ken and see if we can get. They released the games that are going to be played for the for the battle Ar- battle of the arcades fairly close to the actual battle date, and I'm going to talk to Ken and see if maybe they can release that a little early, and then maybe you know an arcade like Carrie could get some time to get those games in, and they also allow the games to be played on Maine. 
So you can have you know a main machine or, or something. If they give these guys enough time, I think they can get more arcades. I mean, how awesome would it be to have ten arcades around the world playing in this battle of the arcades? You know, and it's growing. I, I think uh, next year you're going to see more more groups get in it, and um, you know, hopefully we'll get some guys. Maybe we can get. Maybe this could be the hub for the you know Midwest or you know area. We can get hey you know come out to Carries and because you know you, it doesn't. If you have 20 people in your group or four people in your group, it doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't give you any more advantage over any other arcade. So, you know, that's something that maybe, you know, we can help, you know, promote that and, and get something going similar to what you're saying with the pinball. But they're, they're, it's, it's, it's on its way. It's, it's slowly building up. I had three years in a row I've done it. I'm almost thinking that we could, you know, well, not just we, it, you're not too far away from someone being able to do lead type play on on the video. I am just sitting here. I'm really surprised it's not been done yet. You know, yeah. there's there's enough small home arcades to make that to make that possible. There's enough equipment. Or I know in Louisville, if if I mean, well, I guess if we chose to do it, we could get together and, and do that. I'm just I'm really surprised. The more I think about it, yeah. with this big resurgence, people traveling to the venues not to say that i wouldn't want that to stop you know not not in, in the least bit but at least it seems like on the pinball side doing that kind of a monthly type of a situation a monthly type it just reinforces it it keeps people in the hobby it keeps bringing folks closer together and uh more ideas are exchanged and more techniques are learned and you know i know cincinnati they support uh at least two uh pinball leagues right now huh. Yeah, so that'd be the, the Battle of the Arcades is like a yearly event. What you're talking about would, would be nice because you're, it's you know something monthly and reoccurring you know more often. It, hel it helps to build community. Helps to build community. Yeah, I'll decode for you, Whitney, today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could in the sky. <laughs> you could definitely draw in more people in the local areas, you know, and, and do a monthly uh, tournament play, and then have the big Battle of the Arcades every year. Have the big main. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I was I was toying with the idea actually, uh, shoot, probably six seven months ago. Like these sixteen one machines are really popular, and granted they don't play the games, they don't emulate them perfectly. There's a lot of glitches, but I was I was actually going to start a Facebook page and have and start like a sixteen one club, because it's it's simple for someone to get a sixteen one and have just that machine, and then you know post your scores, and you know and or stream your games and basically get something going like a league on these on a sixteen one arcade machine. You know, not well, that I'm a huge could, fan. You could of, have a game a month. You know, this month we'll do Frogger. This month we'll do Pac-Man. Yeah, and the, the only downfall of that is is that you're playing it on the that arcade, and some of those games are hokey. But yeah, at least you know, not everybody can have 20 games, 10 games in their basement. A 16-one, you know, anybody could get. You know, they're they're definitely affordable. And it was something I was toying with, but I've got so many other things that I that I want to do that I'm you know that that's ahead of that particular well, great yeah, idea <laughs> we're throwing the ideas out there so anybody yeah. that's listening live or anyone that listens to it later uh we're not trademarking any of these ideas at least yeah, i'm so not so if you're sitting there thinking that's an awesome do it yeah we're the idea guys so you guys can run with it <laughs> you all implement yeah, yeah we're fine but i really thought this i mean i know a lot of guys they have the 16 ones i thought that was a great idea just to get some competition and have fun with these scores you know but do you, again do you all participate on on klov any at all I'm on. I'm on Clavia. Yeah. I'm a. I'm always posting something how to fix a machine. And who, who's your handle on? Sir Salt. Well, I haven't been active as much as I would like to here recently. I just. I've, have you been like active over a long period of time? Or? Um, probably in the last year and a half. Okay. Yeah. I've been, in all honesty, I've. I've. 
my online time has been kind of spent with Whitney kind of getting getting together the show and the like, so it's been a little difficult for me to keep up. Whitney, he's caused me to spend I don't know how much money because uh, <laughs> Whitney tends to see, <laughs> for those looking at the video, uh, watching the video feed later, he just bowed. He, he's able to stay in touch with uh, a lot of the community in terms of the reproduction parts and all that kind of stuff. And then usually live in the show, he brings that to my attention, and I'm, I'm like looking during the show and trying to figure out if that's something that I absolutely have to have. So, but anyway, I have noticed that they do from time to time. They'll pick a game, whoever has the game, and they'll do a high score competition. You know, they'll run it for a week or whatever they do. Oh, I've never seen that. That's that's generally over in the general section. Okay, yeah, I'm usually on the like monitor repair section, or you know, I'm because my my posts are just usually I'm working on something. You know, are you are you a cloth? Estor, you a cloth? No, well, yeah, I have signed in a couple times, but I I don't frequent that forum too much. Spend your time over on the Donkey Kong forum. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> and what are you over there? Are you all um, posting videos, trading techniques? I mean, what's the? I'm I'm assuming that's probably not heavy on the repair side. And no, no, it's not. Just, it's more focused on gameplay, uh, strategies, uh, people's accomplishments. Uh, they got a streaming list, so you can just click on anybody who's live streaming at the moment, check them out, and it's really. They have a general CAG sec, uh, section as well. So it, it's nice that they're sort of expanding out and not just Donkey Kong, you know, because a lot of these guys like Ben Falls and they, they play more. They play Mario Brothers, Popeye. They play a lot of different titles, Joust, Saints Hollow. So, but it's a it's a general discussion, but mostly yeah, around Donkey Kong and, and people's new high scores like uh, Mike Grossbeck. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. You know, just yesterday scored a million seventy six thousand on his arcade so there's been a lot of talk about that and and i've seen a few new beginner people in there new forum members uh just starting off you know starting off a blog saying here's where i'm starting i only got fifteen thousand, and he's every day he's <laughs> putting watch up him grow watch yeah him and grow. basically he's just tracking his progress yeah that, that's why i think that the donkey kong's you know for a while there i was thinking it was going to fade out but you know the more i get on the forum there and, and you see just like Estel said there's there's always somebody new jumping in there and it's you know it's it's a status symbol to get a kill screen or even to get you know you get in the 500,000 point range not that 500,000 points is a is as big a deal as it was two three years ago but still if you, you, when you get to the 500,000 point range in Donkey Kong you're in the you're at the point you could get a kill screen you know it's just how much time you're going to put into it That's right. how many hundreds of games <laughs> do you want to play till you get that one but I, I you know it's 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 a way to get started, really. I mean, that's how I, I, I never really liked Donkey Kong back in the 80s. I, I liked the idea of the game. I was totally sucked at it, you know. And then with King of Kong, I got back in and I started playing. I'm like, oh, you know, I started learning the nuances of the game and I got hooked. And then, of course, I picked up my Crazy Climber, my Tron, and I kind of faded away from Donkey Kong into the games that I really liked back in the day. But, you know, it's it's definitely an entry level, and you know, to... to to put up a decent score in Donkey Kong, not even a kill screen, is it's you know it's something that you know you, you can be proud of for if you're into the game. So it's you know I definitely think that's what's going to keep it going. And that forum's great. I mean everybody on there is great. Now are you looking at doing anything with Crazy Climber? No, the game cheats too much. <laughs> Gee, I don't know. How, I don't know. How much. I, that's why I got rid of it because you know the, it's a, it's it's a cheaty game. <laughs> you know I now I have heard that. Uh, I, you, I have not played. I think I played one game at one of the expos. The, I haven't played in 
it was a bowling alley game back in the day. Yeah. You know, because I, I am of that generation where I remember the bowling alley having a Star Wars in it and the Crazy Climber and, um, you know, all the Laserdisc games in a bowling alley. And I, I remember I liked it. But I didn't like it. I didn't like it a lot because it, it just seemed. Yeah, when you get to the third and fourth building, the fourth building for sure. When you, when you get to the close to the top of the fourth building, I think it's maybe three quarters of the way up. There's the building splits in the middle, and you have two paths on the right and left, and two, two window areas to climb up. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a sign that falls randomly, whether it falls on the right or left. It just, it seems like it falls on the left more than the right, or is it right? I can't remember, but. Whatever side it falls on, if you're on that side, you're dead. There is no way to live through it. It and just, it, like, wipes down the building. Yeah, it just goes, dong, 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 and you're done. <laughs> and so if you pick if you pick the right side and get by it, then if you can clear that fourth building, then it restarts back to the first building again at the same difficulty. But there's it just so many... There's so many cheaty things it does. The longer you play the game, the more stuff it throws at you. As soon as you die, nothing, it, it lets you... It, le- it basically let you climb for almost to the top of the building because it's like, okay, we killed you. We got rid of a guy. We'll, we'll let you think that you're going to get further in the game. And then, of course, the further you get and the longer you've played without dying, all of a sudden just you know, a lot more that, stuff that, falls out. That's it's, like somebody at Taito was, uh, well, I don't know. This might run a little too long on a credit. Exactly. Let's just... Let's just windshield wiper it. <laughs> but it's such a cool game that you can put up with it, you know. But you're, go- not, you're really not making me want to repair mine. But world, for as far as world records and that go, I, yeah, I I'm out. <laughs> hey, Brent, give a shout out to the no quarter guys. They're listening. To oh, us awesome. Right well, Carrington, Mike, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. You just send us a message. Oh, that's awesome. Recently, I started listening to uh, uh, a new podcast called No Quarter. And it's like I, a Zeppelin po- podcast. The Zeppelin. Isn't that a Zeppelin tune? No quarter. It doesn't, yes. <laughs> I thought I maybe mean, it's a Zeppelin podcast. I, I've got lost on that. Like, a, is this a Led Zeppelin reference? Huh? <laughs> or Zeppelin like a balloon? No, like, no, like, the, like an airship. No, I, I really, I really get into airships. So, I, <laughs> Mike and character are like, all right, we they completely train wrecked us already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to give the guys a shout out. We're big fans of their podcast. They okay. sent us a message on MixLR. Said, hey, guys, we're listening. And we just wanted to say hi to them. We picked up a. Uh, I, I was looking for a new uh, podcast app. And, uh, you know, Mike and uh, Carrington, if you check out the soon to be released episode, you might also hear this again. But um, Shout out. <laughs> I, I found them just using the app to see how good it was searching for things. And. They uh, they'll pick a game, they'll play the game. You know, they do a weekly podcast and they'll play the game through the week, and then they'll dive into the aspects of the game. And the cool thing is, is that they do some of the mainstream games, but they tend to be all classics, at least that I've seen. And if if I'm wrong, I apologize. And they'll dive in and they'll discuss gameplay, what strategies they've learned. They'll talk a little bit about the hardware. They'll even talk about the cabinet and get into the artwork. And uh, they discuss games that that aren't necessarily known or maybe kind of on that fringe a little bit. And it's just it's really kind of cool listening to them because you know, if you got a main cabinet a out there, yeah, if you got a main cabinet out there, you might want to go play something that you hadn't considered yet. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. But yeah, no quarter. Yep. And uh, uh, we appreciate you guys. We've yeah, listened no, to you quite a bit. Guys. As y'all can tell, I, this is Whitney. I've lost my voice. So. <laughs> podcasting under duress. I do have requests that they that they use a Zeppelin song as their thing. <laughs> <laughs> See now, I, maybe I we earlier we were Donkey Kong on this side, not uh, 
no, where were we? Because you play Donkey Kong. I can't. I'm yeah. not a Led Zeppelin fan, so I'm trying to figure out oh, where, yeah. I, where I need to go now to cordon <laughs> myself off. So on the on the Donkey Kong side, speaking, do does the forums and the community do they support folks trying to play in Mame? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big deal to play in Mame because they they track the scoreboard. Their scoreboard uh, includes Mame as well, and all different sites. So in, in in reality, that is the scoreboard to go after. You know, Twin Galaxies now, like John said, during their split and their rebuild right now, they've lost a lot of the scoring because there's a lot of new players that came on the scene, a lot of good scores going up, and they're all being documented on the on the Donkey Kong forum. And so I assume, is it like a sub-forum for main folks that are playing in main versus real hardware? or No, it's just it's all combined. Oh, okay, that's cool. Because a lot of people don't have access to a cab. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of people that just stream straight up MAME. Yeah, and MAME, MAME emulates really close. Does it? Yeah. So do you all, and I guess this would even fall back to you, John, as well, but I know Donkey Kong tends to be, at least in, in my eye, more, com- more of a, there's more of a competitive community. It's just a larger community, for lack of a better term. Do, do you all say, okay, I did such and such, and I used this ROM set? Do, do, does it get that specific? No, basically, well, yeah, there's basically one ROM set to oh, okay. use, the uh, USA Set 1, as the official ROM set, you know, because, of course, you got the Japan Set 2, Japan Set 3, you got different variations. So there's a, there's just one, is there just one USA set? Yeah. Well, there's a USA 2 set, and I'm not sure what the difference is besides it being have a ladder cheat, maybe? Yeah, I think, I, and I'm I'm kind of out of my element here, I'm not an expert, but I read, I read a... Uh, Chris Saros put up a there's a there's a whole thread on the forum that that breaks down all the ROMs and I think that the one set is the where you can where you get, you can get in the one ladder and they won't the barrels won't come down. Yeah, as long as you climb to the top of the ladder, the it will roll right over you. Yeah. And the USA uh, set one, of course, is the when they fixed it, and it's like 20% of the time, or it's 80 80% of the time that barrel's going to come down. It's 80 20 on that. So yeah, you 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 try that at your own peril. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to climb a ladder after level five when the barrel's coming over. So is it like, like on the armor attack side or, or the Tron side? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I didn't know the, the Donkey Kong set history. Well, usually if I'm trying to do a repair and I'm trying to do some kind of comparison, then I have to go weasel out what I've got. And you know, more often than not, there's more sets, and I have to find the right set for comparison sake or repair sake. Are you, do you get into that with the other games with Tron and with well, armor Tron- attack or... Tron, I don't know. I don't know if Tron actually has a, a two sets. I know that when Tron first came out, they did change the game uh, because it was too easy. They 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 eliminated some of the levels. They basically just like you, you, what used to be level. Uh, what, what what's level two right now was was level three back then, and I, but I think that might be a dip sweating a, a dip setting on the board. Because Tron, um, all your difficulty settings are, are done via the menu, like right on screen. But there are dip, okay. there are dip switches as well. That I think that you can change um, the boards. I don't, but I, I don't know if that's a ROM set or if it's a dip setting or not. But there are two different variants for sure, because they did change it sh- shortly after it came, originally came out in the arcades. But um, I'm pretty sure when you, you know, now that I think about it, I would have to check that. I mean, I know mine's the most recent set, mm-hmm. and I think it's actually hard to come across one of the old sets. And they, they were only on the four-board stacks. On the four-board stacks for Donkey Kong? Yes. Okay. So yeah. The uh, 
four-board PCB stack had the ladder chip set. Of oh, dogs. okay. Yeah, that's what I had. My old gun. Uh, I had a wolf cocktail. Yeah, and it I had they the were board set. Don't they have like TKG fifty or something? Isn't there like a number that goes along with that? Yeah, uh, TKG two. Is that what it's two? Yeah, two, three, and four. Okay. Because mine, and I remember opening up the cocktail because I had actually the sound wasn't working, so I, I replaced. I got a chip soldered it back took the old one out soldered it back in and got it working but i noticed it said it didn't say it just said nintendo 1981 right when the newer set says nintendo of america 1981 so you can sort of tell by the title screen without having to get in the board set and look but yeah i had one of the older board set that had the ladder cheap and i think all the cocktails had the four boards in them yes yes (laughs) (laughs) i am a hurt (laughs) it's a shame Whitney's given all that he's got. Yeah. All right, so where are you all going from here? What's next? I got you. Um, I'm going to be working on the kicker marathon here soon. You know, I'm sort of setting Donkey Kong on the side for now. And I just looked that up, and you said that was Shaolin Temple, correct? Yeah, yeah. Shaolin Road. Shaolin's Road. Okay. Shaolin. I think that's on the 60. Yeah, that, it? yeah. Well, that's a he, – he, he was po- – you, you, did you, you did a refurb on that, right, that kicker, didn't you? Or did you get it as is? Didn't you rebuild it? Or do- I got it as is, and I just basically cleaned it up. Okay. I mean, it was in good shape when I got oh, okay. it. Okay. Well, because he was, he was talking about kicker on Facebook, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking it's that old game where you get the clown on the unicycle. Yeah, that's and kick. You, kick or kick man. Or stupid yeah, so I'm yeah. thinking – I'm like, oh, okay, he's into the – because I, I, I used to love that game when I was a kid. And, and then um, – I don't know if he showed a picture of it or a screenshot. I'm like, what is kicker? It? I'm like, that's Shallon's Road because I have it on my 60 and one. So I messaged him. I think I, I was like, I was like, I was like, isn't that Shallon's Road? He's like, yeah, it's just, you know they changed it for America or something. I don't know what you know the, what the scenario was there, but I just thought it was funny that it looks like 1985. The whole time I'm thinking it's that clown balloon game. Was <laughs> did, was there a dedicated cabinet for this? Uh, I thought they were all just kits. Because the ca- uh, yeah the cabinet that's here on Clove, which I mean, it kind of is what it is. It looks like it's another game that was kitted in. Yeah, mine's on a scramble cab. So, it loves me some scramble. Love that game. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's hard. It's I, hard. Fast. I kicked myself. I had a um, years ago a friend of mine in Dayton had a they, both not working but both in very very nice cosmetic shape. He had a scramble sitting next to a berserk. And um, I could have had one or both, and I ended up just taking the Berserk home, and I, just, I kick myself to this day for not bringing that scramble home. Oh, no way. you got to go with Berserk on that one. Yeah. Well, I've still got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, love, no, I'm, I love Berserk. Yeah. i got a J-Rock at home with the this, he Berserk just, Frenzy. He just did the, the Berserk Frenzy. Yeah. He? yeah. Yeah, he did tests on it. He, 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 did, he clocked it and everything. That's arcade exact. You know, mine had uh, uh, mine had the typical battery corrosion issue with the CPU, or it drips on the board and yeah. destroys the board pretty much. Yeah, and I fixed a couple. I fixed a couple boards in that shape, uh, mainly pinball boards. I've not gone back to this one. I've I've got one of Mark Spaeth's boards in it. So memory serves. I can't remember if it's still running on the original processor or not. I, I, it was one of the first games that I went through years and years ago, and. You know, knock on wood, it's been stable. Now I'll go home. I'll go home this weekend, turn it on, and it'll be dead. Yeah. That be- whole that whole berserk board, whatever monstrosity. <laughs> oh <laughs> that yeah. That just blows my mind. Just th- that you slide that out, and it's got was it like four boards. I mean, that whole oh, thing. Power is supply, just, sound board. I think there's a, sep- a satellite speech board, the CPU board, and the uh, BSC, which is 
I mean, there's, there's story behind that, but that's supposed to be the color board. What it took to run that game. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's huge. I think I mean, it's a J-Rock. It's about this big. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, just look at the 60s. You know, the, a oh, Pac-Man yeah, Pac yeah. board is, you know, huge. Yep. 12 inches long or so. And you know, the little 60s are a couple inches by a couple inches. I mean, right now I think they're the they're the size they are because of the JAMA adapter. I mean, the JAMA oh, edge yeah. connector. That's, they couldn't make them any smaller. So, yes, yeah, so Berserk is definitely a monster. Well, uh, I have, uh, like most of the games, I've, I'm not any good at it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Everybody likes it when it, when, it uh, when they come over. But, you know, uh, one of the guys, one of the local guys in Louisville, he owns a shop that does, uh, uh, he, he repairs arcades and pens for a living. So whenever I have a, a party, his, his favorite thing to do to kind of rub it in is he'll come down and he'll just kind of look around and he'll clap his hands in the air and kind of rub them together. And he's like, okay, what am I going to set the high score on today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so he, everything that will save high score, he goes through the game room and he sets a high score on it. And just And then just like, and he, okay, I'm done. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, gentlemen, um, I think we might need to get Carrie to sit down here for a little bit, unless I mean. I did, I did want to show oh, you. Sure. I had one. I, I wanted to, to show a quick thing for my armor from the Armor Tech Marathon. Oh yeah. I kind of like the prep thing. I kind of wanted to go into like prepping for the thing. Let me. I, I got my control panel. I want to show you. Guys. Oh, oh sure. okay. Oh yeah. Sure. Sure. Gosh, I wish my voice wasn't. <laughs> so, Estelle, when you did, you, did you say um, you were gonna go to Kong off this year? Yeah, I'm definitely going to make it. Uh, it's just whenever Richie decides to set the date, you know, I, are, I'm ready to go. Are you going to take a? Um, uh, are you going to take your own control panel? Uh, no, no, <laughs> I'm just going to use one of his. <laughs> so I'm looking at the bottom of flip that. Flip, let me see the top of that control panel. Okay, it looks like an armor tra uh, armor attack control panel. Uh, a, a very nice uh, I'll get this way overlay. For you. Whitney's taking a picture of it. We'll, we'll post this. Or actually, Whitney may go ahead and post it for us right now. So, now, f now flipper, you got it, Whitney? Okay, so, yeah. yeah. The, the back, the bottom is kind of one of the things I want to go over. So, the bottom, and, and John will have to explain this. It looks it. like. You, you, well, okay, John, we'll, go we'll, ahead. We'll, go we'll, ahead. Do, we'll go over the top first. Okay. If anybody's ever played Armor Tech for more than 10 minutes, the. Uh, I don't know what you call this right here. This particular bracket in the bottom here, there's three bolts holding it on or screws. It's just like an aluminum piece of angle. Yeah, that's what I put on it. The original one's metal. Okay. But there's, there's three holes. There's one here and one here. When you play it, that that, that screw is going to dig into your hand right here. Now, it's no big deal if you're playing for two or three minutes, but 85 hours, I learned from the original one. Wear, my, oh, yeah, my hand, it was killing me right where that was digging in. So I basically, you know, got this piece of angle of aluminum here and then I, I I screwed it on each end so I wouldn't have anything across here so when my hands rested on it I didn't have that problem that was number one number two I had, I had problems with the button going bad which were regular leafs now I could replace all the leafs but if one still went bad to replace a leaf is kind of a pain because you have the leaf holder and everything I found these buttons on, and I can't. I wish I would could think of the guy's website. Um, Let me see one. Ultramark, you know. maybe. Oh I'm, yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. Andy? Is that who owns? Well, I don't know who who is he Ultramark. is. Ultramark. Ultramark. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Those are his gold. I think he calls those mini gold micro leaf. And allegedly, there is a, a, a micro leaf switch in there. It's not a mic. It's not a. It's not a micro switch. Um, um, that has the leaf. 
You know, you're the, the, yeah, with the, the actuates it with like yeah, a that's still a, it's still a micro switch. Those, I guess, I haven't popped it up, pulled it apart and looked at it. But if you, you know, there's no clicking. It's like it's it's basically like a leaf inside. So so inside I've got the one of these in my hand, and the body looks like a micro switch button, except it's about half the length, and uh, um, it's got a, a a nut on it that's the same size as like a micro switch button, but it's got I don't know how to describe it. Whatever this assembly is that's supposed to house this micro leaf, and you're you're correct. I was thinking it was some type of micro switch, but it's no, smooth. It's, it's just it, like a leaf switch. Exactly. And the action on that button is very light. It, it doesn't seem much lighter than a uh, a leaf button when you're messing with it right there. But but hit these buttons and then go on that armor attack night and day. And one of the issues I wanted, I, you know, I, I was going to be playing the game for a long time. I wanted the best possible. I wanted the best button to use that was going to be less wear and tear in my hand, but I also needed to be able to replace it if one went bad very quickly. So what I did is I, I, I saw those buttons, and those looked exactly like what I needed, and so I bought 10 of them. And what I did is I put two termination blocks on the bottom of the, uh, on the, bottom of the control panel, um, and then I also put T-nuts on the inside this. Regular, um, on your armor tech machine, your bolt goes through, and you got a wing nut here. So you have to actually open the coin door, spin the wing nuts off, pull those bolts to get the control panel up. Now, you can't stick your hands inside a machine while doing a, a, a record run, or it's it's not legal. Uh, so my my dilemma there was, well, if, I get a, if a button goes bad, how am I going to pull the panel and do all this without sticking my hand in the machine? So what I did is I put T-nuts on here so I can unscrew that bolt from the outside, so you, okay, so and I can pull the panel up, flip it over, and change the buttons without my hands ever going inside the machine. And since I have the termination block here, all I have to do is unscrew the nut, unscrew the two connectors here, pop that button out, take that one, put it in, screw this back in, and put it back in. I, and I ran tests. One of the things I did, you know, one of the many things before this marathon, is I ran tests to see how quickly I could change a button. Because obviously, if I have to change a button, I'm losing men. And with this setup, I could change a button in four minutes. So looking at this on the on one in the control panel, there's a, a little PCB where all the uh, the button, all the wires terminate, and then there's a ribbon cable. So that ribbon cable goes back off and it plugs onto the game board. Yeah, in the uh, board. On the board. Okay. And and then you've come off that PCB with I guess the the factory wires that would have been soldered onto each of the leaf switches through that through a barrier block where you've basically you've got screw down terminals at this point. Yes. And you can replace the button hot while the game's up and running, and it'll pick up and keep running. Yep, and it won't reset the game, won't do anything, and I can, re- I can switch a button in four minutes. I can have it from the time it's sitting there running, nothing unscrewed. I can unscrew it, flip it, pull the button out, put a new button in, flip it back down, screw it back together. Four minutes, I'm back up and running. So how, um, how reliable are the buttons? Did you have to do any during? Nope. Uh, well, that, I, I, that speaks to the button. I didn't anticipate it. I, I figured that all this was going to be for not. But just in case, exactly because if one of these buttons would have gone bad, I I, I went through that. I had to. I, I was 53 hours in my last marathon. Button went bad. Marathon over. I was like, that's not going to happen. So I, you know, I took the time and I came up with this uh, particular scenario. Now the great thing about it is not only is the because my main concern was to switch the button quickly, um, but it turns out these buttons have such a light touch. My hands, my hands were about were about 85 percent of what they normally were after 85 hours of playing. My hands were not an issue. Um, 
my my motor skills were lost because my my brain couldn't <laughs> handle being away <laughs> and I couldn't play. But I had I had minimal pain. If, if I move my hand like this, I had some pain in the tendons, minimal. And so you're moving your hand for people that can't see. You're starting from basically your fingers straight out from your wrist, and you're coming up about 90 degrees. So you're flexing your wrist out. Yeah, yeah. I, I would feel tension in these tendons on the top of my hand, but minimal, minimal, sl very slight pain. And within two two days, I had no pain at all. And again, my hands were about they were about 85 percent of what they normally were. Um, the only issue that I had is like on, on this particular hand, holding His something really tight, like with you know what my my forefinger and my thumb. I, I didn't I, I couldn't squeeze really tight. The the muscles were just really tight. I think I think after uh, 80 some odd hours, that's when yeah. I just ice both hands. And uh, but I, these buttons, I'm telling you, are were are, were amazing. And now you can't float. You know, you like if you're playing asteroids with a nice leaf, you can float that and fire really fast. You can't do that with these. That leaf is, inside there is not. They're a little bit more of a positive contact. It's yeah, but I mean, you can float it good, good enough to, to play armor attack and get the world record. But um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's you know it's not as good as a regular leaf. But these buttons, I, I these buttons are staying in this machine. I love them, and, and and you know the time and effort that I put into this really paid off. And I, I just thought I knew there was gonna be some clav guys here, and, and I know some clav guys mm -hmm. listen to the, the to this webcast. So I thought this would be kind of cool to show some of the machine modifications that I did, um, and this being the main. I also rebuilt the power supply um, from uh, Bill, uh, Bill at Bitronics or Billtronics. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We Bill, were talking about Billtronics on our on, yeah. on a show that we're going to the next show to release. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great guy. He he worked with me a lot and helped me a lot with the power supply, and I rebuilt the power supply, and I had some issues with that that held me back. I was supposed to actually do the marathon in in February, but I ended up doing it in April because I I had some issues with that power supply, and it turned out I I lost an insulator, which I didn't even know that I lost. But um, you know, with with his help and some parts that he recommended, I rebuilt the full power supply and I ran the machine for 100 hours after rebuilding the power supply and it was good to go. I say I'm trying to remember. I have done very little. Uh, actually, it probably no no cinematronics work at all, at least directly. You can't just put a switcher in that, can you? It's no. got some odd voltages. Yeah, because it's got the 23. It's got the 23 volts for the monitor. Okay. Then yep. it also has um, it's got like unregulated six six volts, I think. Which I don't know if that if a, what's a switcher got it's just twelve and five, five and twelve yeah five it, twelve and minus five usually yeah and it's it's got some unregulated voltage that goes through there as well that you know because I, I was trying to think of a way to maybe rig something but I'm like well to actually build <laughs> I might as well rebuild the existing power supply and try to build another one that's you know maybe yeah I know they're, a little they're more robust they're, they can be a, a bit of a bear I, the last one I saw I think was from uh, uh, not Armor Attack what's the other um, Star Castle Star Castle yeah, yeah. I bet it's the same power supply it's a, yeah the Condor five. 73, I believe, and, and, and Dragon's Lair used it as well. Oh, does it? Yeah. Same Is that the one with the, the big stack of capacitors on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah they're tied together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, re I, I replaced, though, I mean, I think it was, I replaced probably 80% of the parts on, on, on the power supply. And, you know, cause what happened? Because about a, uh, the, the day before Christmas Eve, so December 23rd, I went to turn my armor attack on and it didn't turn on. Merry Christmas. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, great. So I pulled the power supply out, and I started taking it, apart, taking it apart just to see what it took to take it apart before I ordered the parts. Then I put it all back together and slapped it back in there, and just for the heck of it, turned it on, and it worked fine. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to take any chances here on you know, running a four-day marathon, so that's when I rebuilt it. Mm -hmm. And then once that, once I got the – this was my next thing on the list was the control panel. Um, but, so once I got that power supply up and, it was in, and got the machine burnt in while it was burning in, I put one of my other control panels on it, and that's when I redid this panel. 
And I, I just thought it was really neat. I, 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 and I like the oh, fact yeah. that the termination block, I don't know if you want to take a look at it. You know. Well, I've heard of these, the buttons, you know, kind of in that, uh, maybe over in the in the main community, or, you know, build your own arcade controls in that community. Yeah. I've heard of these buttons. I've bought a couple of the products from, uh, I always get the name wrong. It's Ultimark or Utilimark because they have some uh, four eight-way switchable joysticks. And yeah. I built a 16 one long ago for my personal arcade to kind of fill in the gaps for some classic games that I just didn't have. And I went with one of their sticks so that you could change it four to eight way instead of just kind of putting eight way in it and just being lucky at Pac-Man. And, but I, and I'd heard of, I've heard of those, and they do. They have a very leaf switch type of a feel to them. They're really, they, you know, when you when you first when we'll I have to make sure we link to these. Yeah, when I first put the the buttons in, I put the control panel. Um, you look at oh, sorry. They they feel they almost feel cheap. You know, because they're so light. Um, but once I started playing, I'm like, oh, my God, these things are great. And they it was just night and day as far as just wear and tear in my hands. And then the fact that I could, you know, put, re- quickly replace them. That was the main reason I went with those. And then, of course, after I, you know, the bonus of them being such a light touch. That may help, really your, uh, that may help your Donkey Kong, I still, because you're uh, a... <laughs> um, man, the one thing about Nintendo buttons, and I'm not... Donkey Kong's all micro switch. Yeah, I mean, there's the buttons seem to have a longer throw and they're clicky. Yeah, very you know? clicky. <laughs> and it seems it seems at least to me it's almost like I've got a couple of versus cabinets and it seems to me that you you almost kind of fight the button, you know, because you've got so much travel with it and you've got to overcome the you've got to overcome the micro switch. It just it just doesn't have a good feel. So and, yeah. and I, they seem to be at least if they're not worn down, they seem to have a casting that's that's kind of that they kind of crown and they're pretty sharp and it's just you know. My, my hands are too dainty for that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my kicker definitely has the, the leaf switches in there. It's just nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. So I did replace the joystick on it, and um, it just runs great now. We know I was, I was playing Joust back there, and I, 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 I put together a J-Rock uh, Williams Malty. Mm-hmm. And I used the – since I put the, these buttons in, in, you know, in the armor tech, I took my leafs and used those for the Malty Williams control panel. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't know if it's a, I don't, you know, I don't know a lot about different leaves and whatnot, but that leaf switch on the, like the, the flat button on the, on that actual Williams Joust is so much like lighter, like I can flat so much faster and easier than the leaf from the armor attack that I have in my Williams Multi. Are there different like tension leaves that you can get? I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are. I mean, there's a, uh, th- there's different tension micro switches you can get. There's. One of the one of the vendors, I guess, if you will, I think it's who's the gentleman that's out of Hawaii? Is it um, Paradise Arcade? Paradise Arcade. He, I want to say, two years ago, he was kind of like testing switches, and he would order switches from this manufacturer and that manufacturer with such and such a weight, and you know he was kind of scoring and rating them and making them available. And Leaf, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm probably outside of my bounds here, but, I mean, it's like a spring steel type of a situation, you know, and I'm sure the length of them also, the length of them is going to affect how much flex there is and how easy it is to flex them and how much resistance they have. And, you know, the the Williams Leafs, they're probably, oh, they're probably a good two, two and a quarter inches. I mean, so I don't know what what cinematronics use. It's night and day. What gauge steel. Yeah, it's definitely night and day because – on my, on my, I have two armor tech. My other armor tech, I have the regular leaves in there. And in order to make those buttons like somewhat soft, because they're super stiff, if you adjust those leaves 
right to the throw of the button. Mm-hmm. I am. I, I have to drop the the throw to the of the button so the the button isn't even hitting the leaf till about halfway down. Because if you have that leaf on the button right at you know at, at its peak height, mm-hmm. those buttons are. I mean, it's like it's like I mean, super. You need a lot of pressure to push those gotcha. things down. You know, and, and that's that. Like when I did my first armor attack run. In Denver, those things were set like that, and I was like ten hours in it. My hands were killing me. <laughs> I was kind of glad the button broke. <laughs> See, I, I don't, ha- I don't have that problem. You know, I, I, I the most I've done is I might have had the game room on ten hours total, as opposed. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know that that that, that is, I, one of the things I kind of wanted to get across tonight was just the, the preparation that that's done, you know, for these marathons. Not only me, like Ken House, he did a uh, hundred million on Robotron a few months ago. And, um, you know, he uses a certain type of joystick. He takes the micro switches and files something down on them so they have the exact action that he wants. You know, I mean, these guys that, that play these games. It's like tuning a race car. It, 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 you know, it, you know yep. I never thought of that. And, I, you know, and I think it, it comes with, like, Ken House is a, is a great arcade tech as well. So I, I imagine if you just play the games and you don't do a lot of the tech work, you know, you're just going to jump on and play with whatever you have. But. To have the knowledge of the tech side and to be, you know, a, a top gamer, it really has its, its, its advantages because you can you can get on the machine and go, man, I don't like this. I know what I can do to change it, you know, to to, to suit what you're doing. And that's one of the things like I, I was kind of proud of of my Armor Attack marathon is the fact that not only I mean I came up with the strategy, I basically wrote the book out of Marathon the game at this point. I I you know I tweaked out this control panel. To, to do what I needed it to do over that long course, had it set for any problems that I might have. I, the buttons I chose worked out really well. I mean, to me, it was kind of like the total package. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's like I'm, you know, trying to egotistical <laughs> or anything, but but well, if somebody's out there wanting to do something similar, that yeah, you're saving them a lot of effort if they haven't thought they haven't thought this far. Yeah, and I mean, just for any type of marathon, I mean, I'm you know, it's just like a, a NASCAR, you know, a NASCAR race. You got to tweak your motor and and all that. And I just really, you know. I went into that first marathon not totally unprepared. And I learned you know, a lot of valuable lessons. So going into the second time around, I knew everything that you know that could possibly go wrong, except for the fact if the men rolled over it, one thousand, a thousand <laughs> men. I, I didn't take that into consideration. But everything else, you know, a lot of guys on Clav. There, there's a thread on Clav that they were kind of watching the marathon, and a couple guys were like, "I can't believe he's even got a cinematronics game that's that's even that's uh, running that long." Exactly. Yeah. That was one of the things. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's because, you know, I built the power supply, rebuilt that power supply. I did, um, I replaced enough stuff on the monitor that I thought would go bad, like the the, the, the more prone um, components that go bad on the monitors. Yeah, like the docks, and there's a few things. I do know there's a few things in there that are that are prone to fail yeah. with age. Yeah, and then I let it, and then, you know, I let it burn in for the 100 hours, and I did, okay, okay, control panel. What problems did I have last time, and what can I do to avoid any problem like that, you know? So I went through and did that, and. See now you got, and then you got the opposite side of the, uh, the flip side of the coin, like with Estel, the the knock on wood because I don't want to jinx you, but the, the Nintendo stuff tends to be pretty robust. Yeah, I mean, even is. the power supplies. I I I pulled those. Oh. I pulled power supplies, switchers like from versus Popeye, Donkey Kong Juniors. You know all. You know any of that series of game that was in that classic Nintendo upright cabinet. You can pull it off of a floor out of a warehouse. It looks like it's been there for 20 years and plug it in, and it's going to go. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it seems pretty solid. Now, what about Kicker? What? I really haven't got dug into the back of the machine too much except to set the volume control. But, I mean, is there <laughs> anything, like, who makes that game? I don't even know the manufacturer. Oh, Konami. Okay. I mean, are they, do, is there anything with Konami games that are 
you know, not that I'm aware of. They pretty much run forever. You know, I've been playing on that kicker for a little while. You just while jinxed yourself. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it'll probably break down on me. <laughs> but I went to, uh, I played uh, a few weeks ago and set the uh, Twin Galaxies Extreme Setting or uh, Extreme Setting World Record, where you start off with two men, you get a bonus at fifty thousand. That's all you get. Three men throughout the whole whole game on the hardest setting. I think the world record was I think it was one point nine million. So I was on there four straight hours. So I ended up a little over six million, breaking the world record. What was and the record is, again? Uh, one point nine million. Oh, so you crushed it. Yeah, you crushed it. You officially crushed it. You didn't beat yeah. it. <laughs> well, it was the second. The first time I ended up with three point nine million. Aren't you just supposed to just beat it by a little so that then you can kind of keep? <laughs> no, <Nah>, crush it. <laughs> well, if you're investing that much time in a marathon. Oh, yeah. You don't want to go back and do it over again. <laughs> so I'm trying to – I remember playing this on the 60. It's it's a four- or eight-way stick and uh, one button? Two buttons. Two buttons. Yeah, a jump and a kick. A jump and a kick. Well, if you're going to – you may have to go back and, and, and modify your control panel like uh, like John did. You know, if, you're <laughs> oh, gonna, yeah. if you want to play some extended time on it, did you just – did you just – was 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 four hours enough, or did you did you lose? I mean, lose all your men, and that was kind of the end of it. Well, I sort of just you know let them let the last couple of men slide. You know, it's after a while, I was like, okay, I broke the record. You know, the wife's coming home, <laughs> so I, I got to fix dinner. I'll go ahead and shut it down here. But when the marathon comes along. Uh, the buttons are in real good shape. You know, I cl- I took part the whole control panel, cleaned it up, re- did some resoldering on it. You know, put the new joystick in there, and it's it's just night and day. It works awesome. Well, you get to the point where you're looking at the clock, going, okay, I c- if I quit now, I can make this. If yeah. I quit now, I can make this. Yeah, to the point of where I just soup. Uh, it was, yeah. She she ended up with nothing when she came home, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I felt a little bad, but I lost track of time. And we well, you know we didn't get into what's it going to take to beat the uh, current kicker world record. Uh, the current world record is uh, forty six point two million. Forty, in, it's in the forty six million range, and that's uh, Greg Lau holds it right now. When was it done? Is it, um, is it an 82 or 83? No, no, actually, it's only uh, 2009, 2010. Okay. He so said that's somewhat recent. Yeah, and it's how pretty long? recent. Uh, <laughs> if I uh, manage to get a million and a half on average an hour, so it's going to take me about 30 hours, 31 hours to be the world record. But during my extreme setting uh, play, I noticed I was almost getting on 2 million an hour, and that was pretty aggressive. So if I if I really play aggressive, I know I can get it probably in 26, 27 hour mark. That's my kind of game right there. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's well, that, being had, new to being new to marathons. I you said know, you've I'm, had a lot of tips now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I appreciate all the yeah. information, Sean. I'm telling you, diet diet's huge. Diet. What you're eating while you're playing is huge. And and since I'm new to marathoning, you know, I'm not exactly. I'm not sure how it's going to go about. How I'm going to feel. You know, just jumping straight in. But, you know, my goal is definitely shoot for 50 hours, you know. My gosh. Yes. Uh, you know, you just go all in. Not 80 or 100 hours. I mean, oh, certain, yeah, 100 yeah. hours is the holy grail after you get a couple, you know, 50, 60 hours in your belt. When I'm you go not for sure that. I could <laughs> just stay awake and just function that long, you know. I, I was Whitney and I were talking a little bit about, uh, about your marathon record, John, and, and I got to thinking about – it, it, it's. I know it's not the same, but in my mind, it kind of is. The like, do you, any of you all watch Deadliest Catch? You ever, have you ever seen that show? I used to watch it when the first the first few seasons. Did you? Uh, yeah. Well, when they're when they're running and they do marathon stuff like that, where they'll run, you know, 24, 48 hours straight, and it kind of gets 
they, they've got to stay on their toes because it's their life on the line to a certain degree. But uh, they're stimulated. You know, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing They may be doing the same thing over and over again, but they're going. And it, it, whereas like what you all are doing, you're going, you're stimulated. It's stuff to keep your mind going so that you're not just like, okay, I'm awake for, for 80 hours. But I would think that it would be much more tiring to, to, to play a game or even do the crab boat thing. I don't want to diminish what they do because you've you got to react to everything. You know, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you all do it. I'm gonna, when I get home tonight, you know, I got up at 9, 8.30 this morning. When I get home tonight, it's gonna be, I'll be lucky if I, I'm going to make the decision to unload the truck pulling into the driveway. <laughs> and then I'm done, you know. It's like, I don't know how they do it. And I don't know how you all could do that. You said diet. I mean, what do you, I mean, I was well, joking about the mountain doing stuff. Yeah, because I understand you'll well, no, crash the, on that. Yeah, well, no, the, the, well, that's the thing. You see these these articles about these guys dying in these cyber cafes, marathoning World of Warcraft for, you know, 80 hours. But that's because these guys, you know, consume, you know, four liters of Red Bull. And, I mean, that's it's not good for you. Uh, what, what I when, when I did my research, um, well, the first thing I did was just research sleep sleep patterns, you know hours off on sleep you know and I, I got that down and working with George we kind of came up with a, a good plan with what he did and then I researched you know like what's the best thing to eat when you're deprived of sleep that's going to keep your brain going because I don't really care you know I, I don't my opinion at the time was you know, why, why do I I don't need a lot of carbs carbs are going to kind of are, are, are what's going to make you crash I'm not doing any physical activity I'm sitting there playing a video game so I really don't need a lot of carb- carbohydrates so I looked up, and the, the main thing was high omega-3. You want to eat high foods with as much omega-3 as possible. And then I also, in my own, just from my own experience, I know I don't want a lot of sugar. I don't want anything. I guess my main thing is I wanted to know when I was really awake, and I wanted to know when I was really tired. I didn't want to crank a Red Bull and go, hey, I feel great. And then, you know, an hour later, I'm, I'm, I'm out. So I chose all low-carb foods with high omega-3. So I had tuna fish. Uh, the closest I came to junk food was peanut butter. I had peanut butter and I had a ton of celery cut into pieces, and um, I had tuna. I, I and I had my meals. Was the celery just like you know, like it's common? At least, I don't know if it's common up here. You'd be amazed how uh, how you can cross a state line in twenty and travel twenty minutes, and something that's real common in your hometown isn't elsewhere. But we do a lot of celery on peanut butter. That's a long way around to describe that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I've yeah. never claimed to be la- lacking words, even if, they're, even if they're not strung together correctly. Is that, what you, is that why you had the peanut butter? Just I mean, yeah, the celery. Yeah, just peanut butter a, and celery go to go together really well. Okay, but I didn't have it like preset the peanut butter already. I, I was, the so there wasn't another secret to the celery. No, okay, no. Right. The only secret was I cut it in small pieces so I could put it in. in I had containers for every day, so I had four containers of different types of food for the four days that the marathon was going to take and then my peanut butter was just a standard jar of extra chunky jiff peanut butter and then i had all water i, I, I drank nothing but water um and i like i said no processed sugars the closest i came would be the peanut butter and um the, the majority of my diet was the celery uh cauliflower which I, I didn't realize cauliflower was high in omega-3 i didn't know that at all and that's one of my favorite vegetables so i had um you know my portions of that per day i had my portions of tuna fish per day and then i had my my celery and my peanut butter and i had a you know a ton of water bottled water and i had enough that i figured would last me through oh then i had um i had some uh, turkey breast for just like straight protein so i had portions of that per day as well and I ate the turkey breast kind of on regular intervals per day to make sure I got the protein. And then everything else I just ate as I was hungry. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't 
it's kind of hard to stuff yourself on vegetables because <laughs> no matter how stuffed you are, five minutes later you're going to be hungry again. But but that's you know I just kept you know whenever I got hungry I just ate a little bit of that you know, and I tried to eat while I was playing so when the breaks came along I didn't have to waste any of my break time eating because I wasted a decent amount of break time eating when I did the first one. But the high omega three and I, I so like what between between screen changes and like you. Yeah, well, or, well when, you know, when the chopper quits firing an armor attack, you're basically running a pattern, almost like playing Pac-Man, but way easier. You're running a pattern to where you're going from side to side on the screen to where the tank can't kill you. And as long as you stay in that pattern and, and follow, there's like, there's a lot, a lot of rules I came up with in the game that if I follow these rules, because I'm a big freestyler type guy in most games, I don't care. I'm going to cruise around, try to get every point and just do stupid stuff. Well, I didn't want to do that because the last thing I wanted to happen was that game to drop back. I wanted that game to be in max difficulty the minimal amount of time. So I had a lot of rules that I followed. So if I basically followed these rules and went from point A to point B when I was supposed to, I had my the least chance of dying. So while I was doing that, every I would get maybe a two or three second break, you know, when the tank wasn't wasn't able to shoot at me. And so during that, I would you know you know grab a grab some celery and prep it for the peanut butter do my little pattern and the next three seconds dig some peanut butter out do my little pattern next three seconds eat the you know and i would eat enough really fast in that amount of time to where i would you know wouldn't be hungry and it believe it or not like you get hungry but I, your body goes into like a uh like almost like a i don't want to say desperation mode but like a combat mode or something to where it's like okay we're not sleeping like we normally do okay we're not eating like we normally do let's you know it's, i don't want to say you shut down but you get into a mode to where you're like all right we're not going to bother being hungry like we normally are because we're just trying to stay alive here at this point because your body doesn't really know what's going on you're not used to you staying up this this amount of time eating this amount of food and whatever so it almost makes me wonder if your next step is to condition yourself a couple days are you taking notes estel if you're heading down this road i'm definitely going to purge the caffeine first yeah. Then, oh, that's you know. yeah. You, there's a pre-marathon. I was gonna say. Well, oh, yeah. okay. So you're yeah. already getting to that point where you're starting to precondition yourself. Yeah. Five five days before the marathon, I do. I try to do zero carb. All I drink is water. A gallon, a, a minimum, a gallon of water a day. Um, zero carb diet. You can eat as much as much fat and protein. You know, burgers, whatever. But as long as you're not eating bread and the car, you keep the carbs out and drink that 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 gallon of water a day. After the first three days, you'll quit craving food like you normally do and the last two days your body will start getting into mode to where it only wants enough food to, to, to cruise through the day and so by the time you get into that mode of the marathon you're not going to be hungry like you normally would you, and you're going to you're in your craving of the carbohydrates is going to go away after three days as long as you stay on that zero carb um, and so you'll go into the marathon not craving sweets you go into the marathon with your body at a nice, your blood sugar at a nice even level, and you'll you won't be craving food. You won't need a lot of food. You'll need just enough food to so you're not hungry. So, so yeah, circling back to rest of earlier, crazy stuff that goes it, it, into yeah, it almost thing. sounds like you need to uh, work with commercial fishermen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to, to you know when I was here days is, is go over like there's a lot more that goes into it if you're going to do it right and and have success than what people think, you know. So, what do you do for a living, John? Um, Can you you say? Yeah. I I, I can tell you, but I'd have to kill you type of a thing. It's a government job. (laughs) No, I have, I work for a software company, um, retail software. So, so if you go to the mall, probably I would say 75% of the stores use some type of our software. It's, we're the number one 
Uh, it's Micros Retail. It's the num- number okay. one retail uh, software company in, in the world, I think, at this point. And Estel, what do you do, Estel? Uh, I work for uh, GE Aviation. Oh. Uh, I actually develop... Uh, You're a rocket scientist. 3D printing. <laughs> We're developing all the parts for... Uh, go on the jet engines ah. uh, on the Leap and the Gen X coming up in 2020. So uh, the parts that will be produced via 3D printing. Yeah. Whitney and I were having a conversation on the way up about 3D printing and some of the stuff, you know, on the uh, on the hobbyist slash home consumer side and then even a few things that were like in, maybe on the industrial side that kind of leak it, make their way down into the, you know, the, the mainstream news, just, hey, look what we're printing today. We were talking a little bit about that on the way up. So... I've thought about maybe getting uh, getting a printer myself as a as a sum, as a summer crud as a, uh, a winter project, you know, to kind of kind of produce some mods or produce some. Uh, Dude, a, a full and, full cabinet. I want to see a full arcade cabinet on the 3D printer. You have to do in sections and then kind of glue you know, them together. I think. Now that you say that, <laughs> there's somewhere in the back of my mind that somebody has done something like that. I mean, you'd have to have an industrial printer yeah. to do it, yeah, but they're, uh, they're not cheap. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it really is amazing on what these three, 3D printers can do. I mean, stuff that you cannot possibly cast at all. You know, it oh, usually yeah. goes through a casting process, and here they're just taking the CAD model and then just 3D print it, you know, and it's, it, it's very cool. It's just got this wiper. It just lays out a 20 micron layer of this metal powder. I was going to say, are you doing a metal laser, Yeah, and, the, and it comes down the laser and centers the CAD 3D CAD model at 20 microns per layer, and it keeps going back and forth and does yeah, that. Yeah, Whitney, did you know that they so were doing So it's actually doing it like metal? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. see, I thought, it was, I thought the 3D printing was limited to plastic no, at this point. No, 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 that's amazing. No, I've heard of, uh, um, the first I've heard of, I think it was like boat props, because you know, that's something that's typically cast, but then they turn around and they've started to do print metal. You know, make make props from, you know, powdered metal. So that's and that's how they're curing it or setting it with a laser. Yeah, they'll center it with a laser, and it's still really porous. So what it goes is through a, a hip press, a hot isotonic press, which puts sixteen thousand pounds of pressure all around the part and sort of squeezes all the inclusions and indications out of it and sort of compresses the part, and make it a little more sturdy. I mean, it's it's just amazing. It's amazing. Process. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could you could easily uh, uh, once that becomes a little bit more affordable, you could print kitchen cabinets, arcade cabinets, uh, buildings, yeah. <laughs> whatever you Anything. want. Anything. I mean, it's just yeah, the technology amazing. is just phenomenal. I, like I said, I've thought of um, uh, getting into one for you know hard to find parts. You know, I, I'm looking across. There's a Star Wars behind you, and you know, there's all. W- w- I need a gear for the for the yoke, and you know, the same thing in some of the Sega games. You know. Just you stuff put your B gear for the uh, yeah for is it outrun, outrun? Yeah. yes yeah B gear for outrun exactly you know some I know they've been read the someone's made one from brass or whatever yeah this the old one out there they still want you know the, the they still want an outrageous price for it but so I don't know that might be a winter project so any other games that you're all eyeing anything uh, you said Estelle you're gonna looking at maybe picking back up a Donkey Kong uh, yeah I'm definitely gonna get a Donkey Kong and from there. Um, Maybe an elevator action. I'm, I'm really well, there's start- more close to the door. Did you bring a truck? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Got the wife's SUV. <laughs> uh, Whitney will distract Carrie. You just go in the back <laughs> and act like you're telling him something, but you can't talk. So, 
But I, mean, I think he's officially completely lost his voice. I'm done. You're done. <laughs> I told him on the way up, Whitney and I talk a lot. I said, don't, just, just calm, just don't talk. Just it'd be <laughs> didn't make it. So we need John. Any games you're looking to acquire? Um, uh, Galaga, 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 however you pronounce it. Galaga. Galaga. <laughs> in, Kentucky, in Kentucky, we call it Galaga. Yeah, I, I get. No matter which way I pronounce it, someone corrects me. So I definitely <laughs> want one of those. Uh, a buddy of mine's uh, wants to make a run at the record. He's he's pretty damn good at the game. So I want to get one for him. And it's always you know it's always good to have a, a Galaga in the home arcade. Um, See, I've, not, I've not heard the course. There's a running joke on the show about how you pronounce uh, the name of a specific, a special, a specific Williams pinball, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna enunciate, firepower, because when we're just rattling along, I mean, we sound firepower. Fire, fire, yeah, yeah we just rattle along. So Galaga, you're looking for a Galaga? That shouldn't, be, that's probably not too difficult. No, to but buy. I'm cheap, so I, you know, I'm looking for a, you know, a cheap one that can repair. Good luck with that. I mean, yeah. even, the, even like a. That, that kind of falls in that camp like Pac, where everybody knows it. If they don't like the average person, if they don't like Pac, or, you know, they, they like Galaga, and yeah. they made a, a million of them, and they bring, they bring a few dollars. But, I mean, they're out there to be had. Yeah, I might. I mean, worst, worst case scenario, I might end up just grabbing one that's already, you know, pay a little more and get one that's ready to roll. Mm-hmm. But and I'd like to get a um, an MK4 cab and then put a five-way jamma in it, so I have MK1, 2, 3, 4. And then something else of my choosing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of on the on the. Uh, on the I've blocks seen guys too. do this. Is, is Mortal Kombat, uh, or is it Street Fighter? Is Mortal Kombat six button? Five. Five. So you start. So it, oh, it, it's, it's, well, it's six button, but you have them set in a, like, the black buttons in the middle, and your two punch buttons are on the sides. Okay. So it's not six in a row, like three on three, yeah. like a Street Fighter. Then your six button is underneath to the left for your run for the Mortal Kombat. Okay. Four and so you and still three. got a, it's Jamma, but you've got a kick harness. You got an addition. I've seen got, uh, folks do the the multi button the the games that, I mean it, it's it's doable. You just got to do a little bit in the harness. It's a little harness. Oh, oh work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, but I you know that more the more I was thinking about, it, I think that the more the the original Mortal Kombat cab is a little cooler than the. Four is my favorite Mortal Kombat game. I don't know why. I just always love four. But the cab on one, one's cab is nice. So maybe I'll go with the one or the five. Either way, I want. Here's the question that you're never supposed to ask. How old are you, John? Uh, 14. 14. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not 46. Because the the Mortal Kombat, uh, I run into this all the time where there's there's micro genres of, of arcade games and very seldom do people cross. You know, like uh, um, I'm kind of in that Pac-Man, uh, Crazy Climber, that classic type. You know, what everyone tends to call classic, but by my age range. I never played any of the Mortal Kombat games or any of the fighters so or the shoot How old are you? I'm 41. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I've, I've always been in the games, you know, and, and the classic arcade stuff is, is really what I'm into mainly now, like your Crazy Climbers and that kind of stuff in that range. But, you know, I also appreciate the Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, the games of the 90s. Sega came out with a lot of great games in the 90s, Virtua Fighter, Virtua Fighter 2, Sega Rally, Daytona. I mean, there's a lot of great games. And, you know, I moved along when, when the classic stuff kind of faded out. You know, I got into Genesis, Nintendo, Super Nintendo. And you know, I worked for a, a resale company for years, a video game exchange up north. They're actually one of the biggest resale companies before, you know, Funko and EB and all those guys molded into uh, into GameStop. But you know, I was oh, I've always been into video games. I had no clue until I saw King of Kong that people were still even playing 
the classic arcade stuff. When I saw that, I was like, what? Oh, so you've kind of been in the industry and you've moved along with oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, for you've sure. You've had more of yeah. an opportunity to develop other favorites. Yeah, I've played, sure. yeah, I've, I've had every console. I've camped out for every, the, the uh, PS4 and Xbox One are the first consoles that I, that I didn't camp out or, you know, to, to get the day they came out. I think the newest console I own is an NES. Yeah, and I, I never, I never played the pre-order thing. Either. Well, I guess you know, now you don't, you have to pre-order. I guess the, we camp out for the stupid pre-order. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that's you a camp, whole other level, yeah, isn't it? it? Used to be you camp out like the night before or whatever for the game to buy it the next day. Now it's it's evolved to camping out for the pre-order sale, <laughs> so you can get your receipt. I just camped out forty-eight hours for this receipt. Jeez. Yeah, we did two days for the PlayStation Three when I, at Walmart to get our receipt. You know? say, okay, I guess we'll get it when it comes out. <laughs> That's an expensive slip of paper. Yeah. <laughs> you make sure you keep that locked locked to your by your bedside. Yeah, so that's that's kind of like Mortal Kombat. I, I always like the Mortal Kombat. Cause I'm not a big fighting game guy. I do enjoy the fighting games. I wasn't, like, totally blown away. Like, because in the 90s, those were like Street Fighter and all. They were just off the hook. Every EGM, every month episode had Street Fighter on the front pretty much. But um, Mortal Kombat, I, I enjoyed, and I think it would be nice to have all those in one cab. And I got a couple buddies of mine that, that like them as well. You probably won't. That might be the newest game you'll ever see in my home arcade would be, you know, that. I, I do like NFL Blitz, though, and NBA Jam, so maybe I might might do a combo with one of those one, one of these days. But Now, Estelle, do you do any console gaming? Uh, yeah, I was a huge in the consoles for a while. And we've mean, asked everyone else, how old are you? Um, 30. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. 39. 30, okay. So, so my arcade experience was like right at the very end yeah. of 83, 84 when they started shutting. At home, you were on the NES, I assume, because I, um, I, I was the Atari 2600. I had a ColecoVision, and I started from there. And, of course, the NES all the way up to, I think I stopped around the Dreamcast, but my favorite was definitely the Sega Saturn. Through Sega Genesis, Sega CD, Sega Saturn, I owned a Neo Geo system when it oh, came out. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that was that was it. You know, I, oh, I busted my butt to earn some money, and the parents yeah, helped that, me out a little bit. The, the Neo Geo is always like one of those unattainable that, goals. Like, it was like six hundred dollars. That's like, $600, that's you know? like no one, tuition. Friends would come over, and they had no clue what it was. Dude, those cartridges what were so epic that? too, man. I mean, the cartridges were just huge. <laughs> and you know, of course, the system, the gold system I bought with the two controllers and a memory card, which blew everybody's mind. <laughs> I could save a game because you needed to. I'm a magician lord. <laughs> and it came with the game, and it was like seven ninety nine. And the games were Jeez. one ninety nine to three ninety nine. Yeah, I remember that. but you were so, playing the exact arcade yeah, game. Yeah, that your was house. it. Yeah, and that was you can't. Yeah, you, you're talking about the cartridges being so big. I, um, that is the Neo Geos are a little beyond my arcade. You know, time there was. You know, I've seen them on location since then, but there wasn't any when I was in arcades. And uh, not too long ago, I was talking to someone that was heavy into the Mortal Kombat's and Street Fighters. And he also uh, kind of had a background on uh, on Neo Geo, and my understanding is is that a lot of the game was in the cart. I mean, it just wasn't memory, and it was storing the game program. That's why those things were so epic. It was kind of I think uh, 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 the the majority of how the game worked, the game's logic, all that was in the cart. So it you just had a, a medium to power it. You know, it's basically a jamma board inside the yeah. Uh, card. Yeah, probably yeah. RAM, whatever, you know, uh, the RAM, the sound, uh, you know, the, the basic supporting functions on the motherboard. And then because the, the game carts, I mean, they were, pri- I, I don't know, they, I'm sure they were pricey. I mean, you know, anywhere from 199 to 399 Ooh. at that time. And later on, they came out with some, like some of the metal slugs, I think, were 1299. It was MVS, of course. But I mean, the big, the big, 
catch to the Neo Geo is when you bought a Strider for the Sega Genesis, came out said eight megs or twelve megs, I think it was. was Megabit too, though. Yeah, that was meg in megabits, and, and Neo Geo came out saying three hundred and thirty max, and all the games were like fifty megs and seventy five, and it was like whoa. Well, I mean, and these carts the were eight hundred. Is that what? Did I catch you right? Like six ninety nine, like six hundred ninety nine, or um, the carts were one hundred ninety nine dollars to three ninety nine oh. for most of them. Uh, later on, they came out with an MVS adapter, you know, like in the in the stand-up four-slaughter on the Neo Geos, mm-hmm. used the MVS carts, which is a lot cheaper to get a hold of, but they sold a $200 adapter you could plug in and start buying the MVS carts, and now all of a sudden the MVS, MVS carts just started skyrocketing in value, too. <laughs> oh. But originally, and then I ended up getting Cyberlip, uh, so Cross Swords, and a couple other ones when they went on sale for like 50 bucks. <laughs> Because they couldn't sell them, there's just no one was buying. No one was buying. See, that makes me wonder. Uh, my, from what I recall reading a little history on the the whole Neo Geo platform, on the arcades, the carts supposed supposedly quote air quotes for those that can you know can't see me. Supposedly it was the same game, whether it was uh, AES or MVS, and uh, MVS being the arcade side. And what what they did was is they made the format, the physical format of the cartridge, because you now you said there's a cartridge adapter, and that way the arcade operators couldn't go out and buy at the home air quotes again the home price. So that makes me wonder what the operators were paying for those games. Uh, the last one I seen was Matrimony, I think, and it was like a some kind of cartoonish girl fighting game. And it was $2,400. Just for the game. <laughs> yeah, just for the MVS cart. I mean, that was one in 2000. Wow, I'm wanting to say 2002, 2003. See, now you're making me think. At one point in time, and I can't recall what game it was. I, I think it was just one of the common, like Cyberlip or something, one of the common games. I've been, uh, I've picked up what was a case that had all the individual MVS. So there were six or eight in it. And it just makes me, you know, like I picked it up from an operator and I've used a box or something else and, I, and now it makes it uh, that was a $30,000 box or 20000 <laughs> however many was in it it's like jeez but you know I mean in the arcades it, it seems like they always they did well so yeah. you know it, 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 they were buying them if they were making money yeah, they had a nice Neo Geo had a nice mix of uh, from fight fighting games mostly, even some shooters like Viewpoint, some of the early ones, Last Resort, Shock uh, Shock Troopers. I mean, they they had a nice Metal Slug, sort of mm-hmm. like the the Contra of the Neo Geo. Yep. I mean, just a lot of great uh, titles. Now my nephew, will, uh, uh, it, it gets ugly if Metal Slug isn't in my. I do have a Neo Geo in my arcade, and he, where's the Army game, Uncle Brent? I gotta have the <laughs> Army game. Was in the Hunt? Was that a, is that a Neo Geo? It's got the same type of graphics. It's a sub game. In the Hunt. In the Hunt. Well, you know, by the magic of the, of the internet. Here. Great game. I know it came out on the. Uh, it was on the PlayStation, I believe, and I think it was also on the Saturn. Uh, maybe. In the Hunt. But it, it's it's it's. When you, if you look at the game, it is the identical style of um, artwork as Metal Slug, but you're just in a sub. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm familiar I've with a lot of, of the SNK. I'm Great familiar game. with a lot of the SNK. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I always assumed it was because it looks identical, you know, graphic-wise, art-wise. But um, that's a great game. Horizontal scrolling shooter by Iron, uh, ported to the Sega Saturn, PlayStation, and Windows 95. Oh, well, there we. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there you I go. Gotta get right my there. Windows 95 box back up there now, you. don't I? <laughs> Does it say so? So like. 
So that does not mean it was on. So it was not a Neo Geo port. Well, it no, says it doesn't ported look over. Was it? It, well, if it was ported over to the Saturn and PlayStation, it had to be ported from something, didn't it? It just says in the hunt. Of course, this is Wikipedia, oh, so you'll okay. take that for take that All for right. what it's worth. So. I don't mean to derail the conversation. Yeah, I, just well. was, I was just wondering because I always thought that was a cool game. Let's see. The game uh, the game is often mistaken as if it was the ti- uh, a title of SNK Play More Metal Slug series. <laughs> <laughs> Does it really say that? Yeah, it really says that? Yeah, right here in the, uh, uh, toward the end of the little story section of Wikipedia. Yeah, it says platforms. Oh no, no, no! It says it does say platforms. It says arcade. Now it doesn't say. But it was not a Neo Geo yeah. arcade. It might have been. Um, I'm trying to think. It seems like whenever I see an iron board. Man, I would love to get that arcade game. It's either like a dedicated like by Iron or it's licensed from Iron. I'm sure in the hunt stand-ups are rough to find these days. <laughs> well, I've never heard of it. You know, that, you, I'll find that sitting next to the Cosmic Chasm, right? 1993. <laughs> that's probably why. I mean, at that point in time, I was. You know, I didn't. I didn't like you. I was like, oh, you can have arcade games in your home. What is yeah. all this about? <laughs> yeah, all right. When I when I saw King of Kong, I'm like, what? People are still playing these. Yeah. Like, it didn't surprise me that people here and there may be playing the games, but that there was actually a community of people that are getting together and playing for high scores and whatnot, and they're tracking them out. It blew my mind. Yeah, I, th- I think the most surprising aspect of that was the competition level. I mean, serious competition. Yeah. I'm thinking, these are just games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these people are getting brutal over these games. It was, it was surprising. And I, I watched that 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 winter. Um, I was des- designing a bunch of uh, model airplanes. Was my previous hobby that I basically ended once the arcade stuff came. And it's only <laughs> have time for one. Now, be honest. I mean, you re- you spent a lot of time on a on a plane and you ran it into a tree. Uh, I you know there's a nice video you guys have to watch on you. <laughs> Go to YouTube and type in F14 versus wall, and you'll see oh. you'll see a video. We built. I had my website was metalaviation.com. Little spin on model aviation. I wanted to make it edgy. That's where the whole blonde hair came from. Because I wanted to have a look for this website in this, you know, because I was doing videos and stuff. I'm like, yeah, there's a bunch of people out there doing airplane videos. we got to do something different. So I'll dye my hair blonde and I'll get this, you know, whole persona and we'll do these crazy videos. So it all culminated into the greatest video that we came out with. Uh, my bu- my cousin, uh, Frank, Foreman Frank, a lot of the guys in the gaming know him because, you know, he, we, we go to the Kong off. And he does all the camera work and stuff when I when I do film. But Frank's a, um, he's a bricklayer. That's his, his trade for, you know, his, his whole life. So he built a block wall. I think we did maybe, I think we did six feet high, eight feet wide. And then I have an F-14 that I built, designed uh, from the ground up in CAD, small foam plane. goes about 70 miles an hour. And in my, I have a couple acre lot my, where I live. And we, we flew this F-14 full speed into the block wall. And I was standing about three feet from it when it hit. <laughs> and it's a great it's a great video. I, I think we had six, five or six cameras on this shoot from all different angles. And the, I think I have, I think we have at least four of the angles of the plane hitting the wall. And it's just it's it's. How long very, did it take you make the plane? To build to it. To build the plane. Oh, to build. I could probably build it in man, five hours max. Okay, so yeah, w- when you first said F what fourteen? F fourteen. Yeah. I was thinking some of the videos I've seen where people actually have miniature turbines. Oh, the turbines? No, yeah. no, no. Okay. Oh, no, man, this is the, this. Yeah, it's a brushless motor with like a small six-inch prop. The prop spins at like twenty-three thousand oh, so RPM. Oh, it's electric. Though. Yeah, it's oh, all okay. electric. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, like I said, it goes by. I'm not sure I'd do it, but it makes me feel a little better about doing. <laughs> oh yeah, well the thing about the whole thing, the whole purpose of the video was to show like with these small foam planes, you can crash an epic crash, and you can still 
rebuild the airframe. I mean, because you're building it out of foam. Like I buy the foam board from Dollar Tree, and I can rebuild the frame for like ten bucks. I can usually on a even on a really heavy duty crash, you can get the plane back in the air for maybe fifteen bucks. So I thought, what better way to prove this than to crash this plane into a brick wall at seventy miles an hour? Well, let me tie this together for you back to the arcades. A friend of mine. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, we. Gotta, I got. I got yeah. I'm, I'm really good at sidetracking, That's by the way. Awesome. Like, yeah. I was going to jump in there with the Gorilla Glue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another yeah, great yeah, fix. Yeah. I did that on my striker. Yeah. We, oh, there you go. He's that airplane guy here. You, you should have heard sidetracking. Whitney, you should have heard us. We we were, went to come back. We were in Cincinnati last weekend. Uh, there's a, a lady and her husband, Larry. You know, we always leave Larry out. Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Smith and Larry. And they're uh, uh, heavy into the pinball community. Phoebe does a lot of restoration, play field restorations, a lot of artwork type work. And, so she had a gathering up here uh, for Python Angelo, who's a pinball artist that recently passed away. And uh, uh, we, we, we got to the point in the car, we were like, we should have just recorded this because it was just all over the place. He, at one point, he was halfway in a sentence and stopped and looked and says, that's your banana. I mean, it was just because I had put a banana in the back seat and the whole trip was like that. I mean, it, it, you put us together, it, it's actually difficult to keep us on topic. But a buddy of mine that's an operator or a retired operator at one point in time in one of his buildings I saw a box of model airplane parts like wheels and landing gear and stuff that I recognized from hanging around hobby shops I used to do RC cars and electric stuff and uh, I looked at I was like I knew exactly what it was and it just they'd stored a lot of stuff in there over the years and I said what is this because it was just a random box just just sitting here like someone had set it there you could tell it was dated equipment and uh, one of his guys who actually is a relative of his through marriage, had gotten into doing model airplanes and he'd gotten, uh, uh, started building planes and had gotten to the point where he was starting to push the envelope a little bit. And apparently he just ran it right through a power, a power line at some point in time, one of the planes he had a lot of effort, and put a lot of effort and time in. And then he just packed it up. He was done. Oh, yeah. I've seen <laughs> that many times. And then everything went up in the warehouse with all the old games and everything. It, so. gets, it gets very expensive. I've seen videos of uh, overseas. They don't have a size limit like in England on their aircraft. Here in the U.S., you got a size limit. And then the you FAA know, gets into, into the Yeah, I think limit. it's 40%. I know Carden makes 40% planes. But over there, they were making C-17 models. I mean, huge. <laughs> I mean, that stood eight eight foot tall on the tail or higher, but they were using those, uh, the P-200s or the P-120 uh, jet engines. And just to see this, they had one model of a B-52, eight of these suckers, and they're not cheap. And it sort of just knife-edged and went in the ground. You've seen this just big <laughs> puff of smoke. And then the dude's sitting there just sort of kneeling, yeah. <laughs> getting down on one knee. You know, I'm, like, saying, I'm thinking, I've been... Uh, I know what I feel like when I hear a flyback pop or I turn the game room on. You know, you're, you were talking about, like, the button failed. And I'm like, I just, I can't imagine all of that work and effort, and then you end up with a pile of rubble. <laughs> a pile of toothpicks, as we yeah. say. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's why I got out of that and got into the small little foamies because, I, I mean, it, it, it turned the hobby into something totally different because now I'm like, okay, darn, I crashed. Like, we were looking forward to crashes at that point because – I mean, I crashed that same F-14 straight down in the ground. I had the, my hot glue gun with me running off of Warm a, it an up. inverter. I'm, warm it up. I'm going to the <laughs> yeah. wall. In ten, 10 minutes, I had that thing back glued together back up in the air. So, well, Whitney, um, uh, here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to make our Internet fame among the community. What You're going to restore, not refurbish, you're going to restore a Donkey Kong. 
and then I'm going to sledgehammer the crap out of it. <laughs> hey, let me fly one of my planes into it. Oh, <laughs> no, I'll sledgehammer the crap out of it, and then when I, I'll just drop the hammer and walk off, and then you just hit it with we'll a plane. Fly a 40 per, or 30%, you know, uh, yak 54 into that thing. Oh. Yeah, I think. I, I, I the think, motor would go right through that nicely. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie Chandy, the owner of uh, uh, the Place Retro Arcade, is looking at us. I don't know. Uh, he, he's come halfway into the conversation. He's not sure what we're doing, <laughs> what we're talking about, and which one of his games we're going to fly an airplane into. <laughs> You're going to be internet famous, Carrie. I guarantee it, buddy. You need to get Carrie on here. I... Come on over here, Carrie. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. if you don't mind, Carrie. Yeah. Carrie's offering uh, water for the... Yes, pl- yes, please. Yes, I know this is, this is just... Thanks a lot. Uh, oh, yeah, water, thanks a lot, Thank John, John. Estel. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, um, by the time we wind this thing down, we'll get to play a few games. John. We'll work on getting. Uh, thank you, Mr. Whitney. Whitney handing water over to me. How's your voice doing, Whitney? He's got nothing. So you, you, I'm so bummed, man. I'm, I'm sorry. This is. Whitney, today has been an adventure, buddy. I think we're going to have to do a, uh, we may have to do an episode segment on just what it took to get us here. Yes, sir, mister. Nice to meet you. I thought nice we're, meet you. We're, um, the, just getting up here was an adventure, and uh, um, getting home may be an adventure. You know, Carrie, go ahead and have a seat there, buddy. We're going to bring Carrie. Oh, he's all, he, like, we we're going to come all the way up here, and he didn't think we were going to get him on the show. I'm trying not to yell into the mic so he can hear me. Hold on. Uh, hold on, Carrie. All right, Carrie, come on up to the mic, buddy. You got now. You got to get up. You got to get up into it. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So we just spent uh, what two and a half hours with uh, uh, with John and Estel. Whitney's voice is gone. We are ten minutes shy of three hours. We're ten minutes shy of three hours. Wow. So. Uh, uh, Carrie Cheney, owner of the Place Retro Arcade here in in Cincinnati. So, Carrie, I'm looking at your card. And for anybody in Cincinnati area close by, um, let's go ahead and you're at you're on East Galbraith Road, uh, 4069 East Gal- Galbraith, and you've got website. So if you Google the Place Retro Arcade, uh, it looks like it's also the Place Retro Arcade.com. I, I I just Google, man. I've gotten to the point where I'm just so give us the rundown on. Um, how, how the how the gameplay goes, the pricing, what to expect when you come in. Um, typically, when you come in, uh, we're open um, Friday evenings from six to eleven, uh, Saturdays from noon to eleven, and Sundays noon to eight p.m. Um, typically, when you come in, you'll see my, I'd like to think, beautiful wife behind the counter. <laughs> she'll, she'll she'll greet you and, and take your money from you. <laughs> um, uh, typically for uh, on Friday nights we do uh, what we call family night. It's twenty dollars for the whole immediate family to come in, play all you want. You can essentially play from six to eleven for one one price. Um, everything's on free play. You know we have forty three arcade games, twenty different console systems, and about nine hundred different games for those. Now you mentioned the console systems. Um, a, a lot of the folks. Well, I'm sure that there's crossover. We tend to to, to be heavy on the arcade and the pinball Sorry. side. So, uh, the uh, you, you have how many consoles? Well, we have eleven TVs set up, but we actually have twenty different okay. consoles. Okay, so you switch. That's on. where I was going to go. I know you've got space, but uh, you, you're switching consoles out. Yeah. Yeah. The majority of the floor space is dedicated. You've got some game sales, but the majority of this floor space is dedicated to arcades. Arcades. Yeah. 
and you know, we ran through the game list a little earlier. I, what's the newest in here? I see a Mega Touch up up front, <laughs> and then um, probably Carnival. Carnival, and then Carnival. Yeah, that's the newest game for me, and probably about the newest game in here. And you know, we we ran through the game list earlier. The majority, if there's classic, is this Whitney? Is this Silver or Gold Age? I've never was good at. Uh, it's, it's Golden. Golden. Golden Age. That's what I'm into. I mean, if, if it was up to me, honestly, I would have a 100% dedicated 1985 between 1980 and 1985 era arcade. Um, but you—he's getting the big high five from Whitney. You have to throw, you know, uh, you have to appeal to everyone. You know, kids like console games. You know, um, you know, I have to have the, the Mortal Kombat's and the Blitz and things like that. That's not my forte, but you have to have that mixture, I believe. You know, I, I don't. I'd like to think people would come in here just to play, you know, everything from 1980, 1985. But I just don't see it happening. You know, I mean, you can only play so much Galaga and so much Centipede. And well, uh, you know, I've heard that for, from other folks that have done it. I've not done this. That you you do have to mix it, yeah, uh, to kind of to make it viable. Mm-hmm. But just just sitting here tonight, the past couple three hours. There has been a nice, steady stream of people, um, a good atmosphere. There's still plenty of open games to play, and it's not it's it's arcade dominated versus console dominated, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. You know, so you're getting you're getting uh, the young and old alike that's coming in and they're playing the arcade games, and then of course we're we have commandeered the console space for this evening, or at least uh, a major portion of it, <laughs> yeah, uh, to set up for the podcast. And when we come in and we set up, I mean it's an ordeal. I think Whitney's got some pictures, and we'll have them posted on our on our Facebook page or up on BrokenToken.com. Um, it's not a small ordeal. <laughs> you guys did it pretty quickly, pretty efficiently. Well, uh, so so you you run the till eleven o'clock. Yeah. And I mean Whitney or not Whitney Carrie. So what's what's the next? What, where are you going next? Are you looking for any games? I know you've got one pin in here. Are you going to expand that? Are you thinking of pins? Take up a lot of real estate. I'd like to have more. They can they can be pricey. They can be a little higher maintenance than, arc- than arcades. You know, they take up more real estate than arcades. Um, but maintenance. Cur- yeah, but currently, I mean, that's not all of it. But but currently, we are. Um, my wife and I are in the process of, of trying to find another another building. Something oh, okay. We'd like to purchase a building, maybe something um, at least a minimum of three thousand square feet, or or at least something at least twice as large as we have now, because, you know, I've maxed out the space in here, and I need more games. <laughs> well, hey, that, that's awesome. Now, um, it so you're looking to stay in the same area, I yeah, in Cincinnati, because yeah. I know, I know you don't live far from here, which mm. makes it which makes it nice when it comes to uh, the commute and the like. Yeah. So, do you do you have any games sitting in reserve? Uh, do you have stuff kind of that you rotate in and out? No, not currently, not currently. Um, anything that I can really move in and out, but I, but I do have some games coming i should be getting an, uh, an asteroids here very soon which you know it's hard to believe but i don't have an asteroids now <laughs> I actually never owned one now you brought uh i think the last game you brought in at least that i saw was a very very nice armor attack yeah and, and it's a beautiful game now did some did someone here go through the game do the or, or did you find it in that condition that's on loan it's actually oh, it's on, on loan. loan yeah yeah somebody we brought it in especially for john salter 
to play. So, so this is a lending arcade is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. That's currently the only machine in here. Uh, it'll be in here for a limited time. I, you know, I brought Armor Attack in just specifically for John Salter to play. That's cool. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, well, Carrie, it is a wonderful, wonderful play. So uh, I've said it already on the show that, that uh, Whitney and I have threatened to come up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, it was an adventure. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> uh, but we made it, and you know, I'm glad that we did. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see the place. I really, really hope that you know you can continue to grow it. Um, Debbie, do, do you have do you have any plans right now? Are you thinking of doing? I mean, do you do tournaments? I mean, do you do stuff um, for the kids? We, we and do. Let me let me let me tell folks. This is. It's a it's a family friend friendly place. If you want to look uh, look for something to bring the kids to do, uh, if you're in this area, if you're coming through this area, uh, stop and say hi to Carrie. You know, it's uh, I think was it John or Esther? One of the two said it earlier. That this your your business here, Carrie, uh, the place retro arcade is a perfect example of why you don't necessarily have to go the barcade model. That was John. Oh, it was John. Okay. So, do you do tournaments? I mean, do you? Do we do? Um, I, 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 I do a lot with. Um, I, I, I do a lot with like local charities and stuff. Like I, I donate to everything I can, whether I can afford to or not. I donate <laughs> to everything I can. I, it's just the way I am. I just, you know, and and we we do do a. a and the reason I'm saying this is because we um, we support a, a local um, nonprofit organization called Starfire, and we have. Um, you know, they, they help young people with certain disabilities uh, get jobs and co-op and things like that. And, and, and they do a project at the end of a, a year. And one of the guys who comes in here, his name's Craig, comes in all the time. He's a great customer. And his project, he's really into video games. And he wanted to run a, a monthly tournament out of here. So we do do a monthly tournament the last Sunday of each month. And we do a different game on a different system, console systems right now, each month. And... Uh, you know, uh, so in the the proceeds go back to do you say and, Starfire? And I and I and I host it. Well, it's just uh, it's pro- actually no, that's a good idea though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not not the proceeds. But 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 I was feeling really good about this week, and <laughs> now suddenly I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know, uh, so, basically they 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 start what Starfire does. I basically just host it. For them, for okay. his project, they, they actually buy pizza for everybody to come in. They pay one flat price. They get pizza. You know, um, what, what happens if they if someone wins the tournament? They actually get um, they get their admission fee back. It's not much. It's just really just for fun. They get their admission fee back. They get a free pass and all day pass to come back to the arcade. Uh, and this, this is folks that are involved with the charity. Yeah, okay. you know, yeah, or whoever wins the tournament. That's okay. what they. Um, yeah, they get. Uh, they get their money back. They get uh, a free all-day pass to the arcade, and we give them a twenty-dollar GameStop gift card. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know, so, just something. I mean, have you considered? Um, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit with uh, John and Estel uh, since they're heavy in the gaming, the arcade air quotes again that nobody can see, the arcade gaming community. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike the pinball community, the the with the resurgence of pinball the past couple years. There's a lot of uh, cities where they that they support uh, leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's two, at least two here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that might be something to consider. I don't know. Have you thought of doing anything like that, hosting a league night, or um, I know I'm kind of putting you under, I'm kind of putting you on the spot there. 
Well, I, I'm not familiar with any arcade leagues. Yeah, I, I, pinball I leagues, yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't really have that many pinball machines yet. Well, I, I, I would to say totally down for something I, I was, like that. I, I guess I, my point was, is I was a little surprised that there wasn't already such a thing. Yeah, you know the the arcade. I mean, I know we, I know the the pinballs and the videos share quote unquote the arcade space. Yeah, but the the hobbyists that lean one way versus the other, they do tend to be a little different. It seems like the video guys are a little bit more to themselves and. Communicate. We communicate with each other to a certain yeah. degree. Whereas the pinball people are, I don't know. I guess are, are we are the video people are we antisocial? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm definitely more of a video person. I, I, I nope. Whitney, Whitney, Whitney's shaking it off. No, no, no. I can appreciate and admire pinballs. I, I you know what? Growing up, pinballs didn't interest me. I know that's terrible. A lot of people aren't going to like to hear that, but I never got into pinballs. But I see, you know, when I found out having a business. I could stick any pinball in here and people wouldn't care. People like pinball. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Do you, you know? keep a, um, this? This hit me earlier and, and it skipped my mind. And it's back again. So let me ask: Do you keep stats? I mean, do you look at the the? Uh, well, if you're doing free play, they're probably the credit counter probably doesn't flip, do they? I was just yeah. wondering if you. Yeah. How do you determine since you're right now at that kind of that point of saturation? Uh, if a title comes by that you want, how do you determine what might go out? Um. Just time in the arcade. I, I would hate to get rid of anything. To be honest with you, there's not one game I would ha- I would keep every game in here if I had the space. But you know, we can uh, eliminate these consoles. It, yeah, it was a pretty easy choice for me to uh, to bring Armor Attack in. Birdie King Two had to go. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. yeah. But you know what? That was another game that uh, when I was a kid, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. You know what I mean? I, I liked Birdie King too. And then you know, sometimes years later, you play these games, and you're like, man, I used to like that. That game's terrible. Yeah, there's a couple but, uh, games. There's a couple games that I really enjoyed. The way I remembered it. Yeah, there's a couple of games I enjoyed when I was younger, and I'm I'm kind of afraid to play them right now for yeah. that very reason. Yeah, so. you don't want to kill it. You yeah. just want to have that memory. Well, so. Whitney, I think it's I think it's about that time that we wrap it up. We thank Carrie for hosting us. Thank you, Carrie. No, thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you so much. Give Whitney a little time to recover. I know Carrie, uh, Carrie's going to see at least one of us here soon because uh, <laughs> uh, we have strewn, uh, strewn. Uh, we've got stuff everywhere. We've got stuff all across this, the uh, the city of Cincinnati <laughs> at this point. So, and d- depending on how well my truck does getting home, we may uh, we may end up calling him <laughs> and staying the night. We d- we don't know. So. Carrie, once again, uh, we had a great time. Uh, Whit- Whitney, Whitney would like to say he had a great time. He can't say anything right now, <laughs> and we really appreciate it. You know, we, uh, I, I think we look forward to coming back up, and uh, uh, you know, we, we've kind of got a little steam behind us right now. You know, uh, I know we had a, a, some some great guests. Maybe that's we but we need to talk offline. Maybe that's something we can look at extending a little bit. You know, extend you know, kind of do this maybe on a recurring basis. Uh, that'd so. be great. I know I appreciate it so Whit- much, guys. Whitney's, this I'm springing this live on Whitney. I'm springing for everybody. <laughs> I'm springing this live on both of them. They look like deer in headlights. No, it, it would be fine. <laughs> it would be fine if I could talk. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just love, I just love it. I love everything about. it. I love you guys coming out. I, I, you know, we have our regulars that come in every weekend, and I, I appreciate it. This is a labor of love for me, and, you know, it's not all about, you know, making money. It's I love it. I love, you know, seeing people. You know, everybody, it's funny. Most of the people who come in here can relate to one one or, you know, more games in here, and, 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 and it takes them back to a time and place. 
you know, where they, you know, hey, I played Donkey Kong at, you know, this pizza place in such and such a time when I was, you know, no, people don't have bad memories of playing arcade games when they were a kid. You know, it's, you know, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun, you know, it's a fun place. And it, and it makes me sad to think they're not around anymore because it was an integral part of my childhood. And that's what I did. Well, you know, you know to me, mean? walking and, here, this was, this was reminiscent of the arcade in, you know, the, in, in the mall. Yeah. The, the private, not like in Aladdin's castle. Yeah. This, when I walked in the door, this was reminiscent of some mm-hmm. of the arcades that were in my community. Yeah, and you know what? And, and, and you walk in, and it's it's kind of this crummy-looking little building, and it's not much. But that's the way my local arcades were when I was a kid. There's yeah. this little hole-in-the-wall place with a bunch of arcade this games. Place where you, and, you know a bunch what of I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. And it it's matter. not a crummy little building, but you're, you're selling yourself short. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's a it's a wonderful place, Carrie. Thank and once you. again, thank you. If anyone's coming through the, the Cincinnati area, if you're close to it, you know, come by, check out. Uh, uh, the place retro arcade. Uh, I'm sure, Carrie would love to see you. You know, walk up to him. He's a, he's a great guy. Shake his hand, talk to him a little bit, tell him where you're from, and uh, play a few games. And with that, I think I think we've hit all the bases, Mr. Whitney, Mr. Carrie. Is anything? <laughs> any closing thoughts? Any 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 scratchy? <laughs> he's trying, folks. He's trying. I'm going to drive it out of him. I would say thank, uh, thank you, Carrie. Game on. (laughs) Game on. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with. But I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash brokentokenblog. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token staff would like to extend a special thank you to the real vocal talent of the show, Christy Litzy. And that's me. Cha-ching! Music for the Broken Token podcast provided by Kentucky native bluegrass musician Gary Brewer. Please visit brewgrass.com, that's B-R-E-W-G-R-A-S-S dot com, for the latest information, show dates, and to purchase music. Say, what, do you, what did you do to me? What did you do to me, sir? You gonna do it again? No, I'm not gonna do it again. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Guess we're done.